Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. I am your host, Casey O'Brien, along with our other host, Patrick Mallon. And no matter what hour your clock strikes here, it's always Halloween. And I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. Oh, that was exciting, Patrick, wasn't that? <laughs> that Hearing was Luce do lovely. that intro? Yes, a live <laughs> performance. <laughs> A live performance. <laughs> if you can't tell, this is a crossover, crossover. episode between <laughs> between the esteemed po- a podcast Fart House and the even more esteemed and celebrated podcast. It's always Halloween. It's the Freddy versus Jason of oh, that's good. podcasts. And who's yes. gonna make it out alive? <laughs> that's so exciting. That's actually this what is... we're doing—a a kill podcast where we're fighting <laughs> kill, to the yes. death, and you guys listen to the gurgles. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious. This is so exciting. Thank you, Luce, for being a part of this very fun Halloween crossover event of the century. I had um, to. And You'd, facilitating this. It's actually so really Halloween. It. So I, it is. I'm ready to go hard. Oh my God. Uh, I don't even know how to like move forward and or <laughs> sideways or backwards at all. I guess the reason we're doing part of the reason there's this collaboration. Well, first of all, we all love each other dearly. That's part of it. Yes. And then smooches all around. <laughs> and then, but also, uh, I am launching a, me, Casey O'Brien, a host of Fart House, co-host of Fart House, I'm launching a crowdfunding campaign for a feature film that I wrote and will direct called 14 Stories in a Bathroom. Why does this pertain to Luce? Well, Luce is my one of my main creative collaborators number 1 she is my partner in crime when it comes to movie making also one of the 14 stories in a bathroom has already been shot and it's released as a short film and it's called the smallest girl in the world and luce is the lead in that movie so she is in 14 stories in a bathroom already. She's the only part of the movie that's been shot. So, <laughs> so um, the best part so far. <laughs> the best part. Yeah, we did the best stuff first. Everything else is going to be bad. And we need um, money to make a really bad we, movie. We need money to make the rest of this bad movie. That's not true. This movie is going to be really good. It'll be amazing. But, um, I am launching a crowdfunding campaign starting November 1st on WeFunder, which is a little bit different than Seed and Spark and Kickstarter. You're basically investing in the movie, and so if the movie makes money, you get money. So it's a little bit inter- a little bit different, a little bit, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of a cool deal for people who want to, like, get involved with into the film industry. And, like, if you actually want to, like, be a producer on a movie, this would you would actually be a producer on this movie because you would be making money on investing in this movie. So... That um, campaign can be found at wefunder.com slash 14.stories.in.a.bathroom. Wefunder.com slash 14.stories.in.a.bathroom. The link will be in the show notes for this, so you don't have to... If you just Google Wefunder 14 Stories in a Bathroom, it'll be there. It'll be on my Instagram feed, Casey Lee O'Brien... It'll be out there, but it'll be in the show notes for this show. Yes, um, and you can find it uh, in my link tree as well, LTB Comedy on oh, Twitter fantastic. and uh, Instagram. And it's also on my Patreon, the Patreon Ghoul Gang, patreon.com slash it's always Halloween. I know I know how the fart heads are paused right now, so if they miss giving money to a DIY artist, 
hop on hey. over <laughs> to the It's Always Halloween you know, Patreon, where we are actively charging people each month to hang out with me. Absolutely. And also, a lot of the fartheads have come through and already contributed to this, uh, the campaign. Um, oh, we fart currently heads, have about. Thank you. Yes. Um, I, you know, we did kind of a soft launch. So the goal is $50,000. I need to reach, fi- which sounds like, a, you might as well say a billion dollars, but <laughs> $50,000. And I need to reach that number in order to keep the $50,000. So you might be saying, like, that's an insane amount of money. Well, feature films really do cost, like, a crazy amount of money. Yeah, and that's that, a very like, 50, low amount. <laughs> Fifty thousand dollars is like that would be considered a like the it's like insanely small micro budget. budget. Um, yeah. Micro budget. So um but we've already have a lot of people have contributed already. We have six we've raised six thousand dollars already before our hard launch Amazing. on November first. So things are moving along, but we really it we're gonna do this for thirty days and we really need to raise the money within this time and if you are interested in get, becoming a part of the film industry or um, supporting Be- independent film. Becoming a close part of our lives. I mean, think yes, of how because- much more we'll like you if you <laughs> contribute. And if the fartheads have already contributed, that means the Luceo lanterns have to catch up. We could create like a race between our listeners. I know there's a little bit of an overlap, Ooh. but, you know, pit fan against fan and see who <laughs> comes out on top in November I- 30th. Absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, independent film is in such like probably the one of the sorriest states it's been in the history of film. I, that might sound like an exaggeration, but like studios are just not putting money towards smaller movies. It's harder and harder for independent filmmakers to make money. I mean, like Luce and I, we made a movie. When was that? Last year, two years ago? It's out now. Surprise. Yep. It's doing uh, film festivals. It'll be in LA on, on November 12th at uh, the Skip Town Film Festival. So, and yeah, we did a crowdfunding campaign for that. That went swimmingly. And, you know, but it was it was still very hard to get that made. And it counted on a huge community of, um, you know, film people in LA to come together to make that. And that's really what it takes in order to get these things made. Right. So. And well, surprise was a 30 minute featurette and we made it for $7,000. And the only reason we were able to make it for such a low amount is because our sound person donated his time. The actors took a stipend instead of daily pay. Um, we, there are several people who donated their time, our DP, who is also our editor and our light person. So, I mean, when you think about how many people are on a crew, I mean, it's like usually like a dozen and all those people make two to eight hundred, two hundred to eight hundred dollars a day typically. And then depending on how long you shoot, you multiply that by the amount of days. And that's a that money goes very quickly. And then you're talking about feeding and paying for location. So that's why 50,000, while it's like a wild amount of money that individually each of us would like be so stoked to have, it would be more money than we all have right now. This is like truly this such a low amount of money to pay everybody who needs to be paid for it to be the highest quality that we can make it. And honestly, like the $50,000 is probably basically going to cover equipment and lunch and, and like paying some of the crew members while others are like, yeah, like getting um, percentages on the film. But it's like, we're going to like eke by with that basically. Cause it's, it's just so 
It's everything's just so expensive. It's crazy. Well, so, that's the barrier to entry and why it's so hard yes. to make a film and why it's so important that we keep independent cinema alive because it punishes regular people and rewards people yeah. who are born into wealth or who are already a part of the industry. And we can't narrow our scope on storytelling in that way. We need more voices from all over. It sounds like I'm getting choked up, but I really just took a sip of water that turned on me. Very emotional too. But it is something I'm really passionate about. I mean, when you limit, you have such a high barrier to entry. How are we ever supposed to get new stories told? Yeah. You know, and totally. hear from other people with different experiences. Like we need to make independent film more accessible, and um, part of it is being able to, uh, yeah, be <laughs> given the opportunity, giving given opportunities to like push our way in. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, we won't be talking about this the entire time, but we just wanted to touch upon that uh, at the beginning uh, of one of the reasons why we're doing this fun little episode here today. Patrick, I haven't checked in with you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm wondering if your sweatshirt says Shasha on. Is it a reference to Dale from King ben of the Hill? Queller? No, it's Shasha. It's a Ben Queller who is uh, kind of like a Weezer. You got it. Luce, Luce. Got Weezer it. adjacent indie rocker from the early aughts that uh, I, I've had this, I've had this sweatshirt since I was a so 2002. Wow, a freshman in high school. Wow. Yeah, I've had it that long. I That's still crazy. have my burned uh, copy of that album from 2002. I, it's I still really good. was obsessed with I loved Ben it. Queller. Casey and I are, are low-key the same person. <laughs> We're both from the West. parallels. <laughs> well, we've both talked about how everyone doesn't punk we're not accepted by the punk community because we're too friendly yeah i feel like, like but we're too weird for like the normies yes we're too weird for the nice community it's just it's hard it's, it's hard a problem patrick i i had something i have a note here to that i wanted to tell you i made a note of it when it happened because i was like i need to enrage patrick at the top of this podcast there's so and, many different things me. there's yeah, so many different seems... things it could be we're, we're I, Patrick, I, I agree with you on this one. Sometimes okay. we diverge with the rage, but uh, this, we are on parallel tracks okay. here, I think. But I'll, I'm going to pitch it to you. Okay. So um, Trish and I went on a little vacay this last week, yeah. and we stayed at a hotel and in a uh, in Laguna Beach, okay, and it was this kind of really cool old. It used to be an artist commune, really kind of a cool hotel near the beach. Um, and one of the things it said it was like, it's adults only. It's it's highly discourages children from being there because it's like a quiet, chill. You know, Fuck they pad. they serve alcohol. <laughs> What's that? Fuck pad. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, But it's like very chill and not kid like at all. Anyways, I'm in the pool, Patrick, and a family shows up with a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Can you believe that? No. I I was I was like, what are they doing? The worst ages. And they were like screaming in the pool. It was just horrible. And the parents didn't do anything. No. Okay. This is another part that pissed me off. I didn't like them immediately because the woman enters the pool. She's video chatting on her phone. You know how like people will. She's like racking up as many social faux pas as she can. Like (laughs) she's she's showing someone on FaceTime the where they are like. 
And she comes up, and as I'm getting out of the pool, dripping wet, and I'm like <laughs> an ogre that just fell into a bog. And I'm getting out, and she's FaceTiming me to some stranger, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then her two children come behind her. I was so mad. <laughs> oh my that's, god that's an an absolute absolute nightmare. <laughs> wouldn't you be mad patrick i was like yes. i wish patrick was here to like push these little kids in the pool so upset. i'd be fucking yeah, that seething that would have made me really mad too <laughs> god <laughs> and I, I don't even like I, it's honestly even if i didn't if I hadn't known that it was like adults only like that wasn't why we booked it but i was right. like oh that's cool i like that yeah if that wasn't even on there and the kids showed up, I wouldn't have cared at all. But it was like the fact. Well, that yeah, the you hotel... calibrate your expectations accordingly. Yes! You don't. You think you're gonna have a nice adult time with other adults. Yes. And the, did, did you call it a fuck pad, Lucy, or fuck pen? Yes. Oh, I like fuck pen too. Fuck pad. <laughs> fuck hang. If it was anything, it was a fuck pad. Okay, Katie. not a pen. Not they a were, pen. They were like no, jingle I think, fences. I was like, that sounds yeah, kind of fun. Exactly. Uh, okay, oh, Casey, I'm anyways, so sorry. I just wanted to, did you complain wanted... to management like I know you no, would? Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> did you no. add them on social media and <laughs> complain from your about, room? Like, I'm like, if there's like an anonymous little, uh, you know, uh, comment what are those card. Called? Comment card. I might have said there are children here where there should not be. <laughs> now, are you the kind Anyways. of? Would either of you ever say something to somebody if they were ruining your good time by breaking a lightly arbitrary rule, but a rule nonetheless? Because Probably I wouldn't not. about kids. Because I feel like parents who break rules because they want to have exactly the time they want to have and they don't care about what other time people are having are the kinds of parents who'll start screaming at you like they don't have any <laughs> yes. decorum. Yeah. So they'll it go like, like I'm a Luce. mama bear. So yeah. like you don't think you can talk to them like real people. But what I well, w- she was FaceTiming me, so I felt like really I, she just seemed not like the kind of person I should. Uh, it would be so it. funny if you would have just been like, <sighs> like hissed like right into the camera. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> it's so oh I would have passive aggressively been like. Oh man, I thought this was an adults only pool. Oh yeah. I would have been looking over. Isn't it so weird that like there's kids here when we read on the website you're not supposed to bring kids? Like I would have been a dick in that way. (laughs) That's weird. I thought it's just so funny because I thought that there weren't supposed to be kids here, but there are clearly children here. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was not happy. But um, it was still a lovely, lovely lovely Okay, so I'm sorry. Well I appreciate you sharing that with me. You know, nothing gets me going like a good like a good dose of self-righteous anger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least your hotel uh, didn't have like a rocky themed room painted <laughs> over cinder block. That's true. <laughs> your story about God, that hotel, been... Patrick, it rivaled Casey's going to Sundance story. <laughs> it's your cinematic Sundance story. Oh I could not. Oh I was listening God. to it in the other room and I was laughing so hard. I started like crying and Isaac's like, what's happening? And I was like, you gotta listen to this. Like rewound it and like forced him to sit there and listen with me. It was so revolting. I'm still recovering. <laughs> well, you know what? This is the Halloween month. This is Queen Luce's month. And, yes. Yeah, uh, it is. It's, you know, Patrick and I, we're both horror freaks too. And uh, so we, this is a big, this is a big time yeah. for all of us. And, you know, normally on this show, Fart House, we do a little bit of a letterboxed rundown. But if we ran down all the movies we were watching this month, it would just <laughs> simply be, this would just take really too long. So 
just kind of a, uh, I don't know, truncated letterbox rundown this week. Uh, or th- yeah, this week for this episode, uh, I think would work well. So, Patrick, do you want to go first with some of your highlights from this month? What you've seen, what you've liked, what you've hated? Yes. Let me pull up just a couple things. Maybe yes. I'll list, like, I don't know, three. I do want to mention that I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, and I loved it. Okay. I want to mention I do that. want to see it. I, uh, I can't see it until October is over. I think it's rude yeah. that he released a non-Halloween <laughs> film in October. <laughs> it was. I know. It was not very considerate of, of Marty. Marty, get it together. <laughs> Um, okay, I'll just do a few. Uh, Giallo, Case of the Scorpion's Tale. I watched Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. <gasps> Rewatched The Others. Uh, Lisa, I know you love The Others. I also love The All Others. Time did you watch it on the Criterion channel? No. Uh, the Criterion? Actually, yes. Yes, I did. Did they just release it on the Criterion collection? Or no, maybe yeah, I watched it on the 25th. Via a different, it came out um, on Criterion. Oh, it did. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Oh, then no, I didn't watch it. I watched it on another mechanism. Ew. <laughs> <Another mechanism>. <laughs> <laughs> what could that mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> a magic lantern show. <laughs> it's just like a fire spinning around. <laughs> uh, I rewatched Layer of the White Worm, which is, I feel like oh. a movie you would love, Lise. If you thank seen you. It. Yeah. I'm glad that you see that and think of me. I do. I love that film. It's exactly I how too. I want people to perceive me. <laughs> I love Hugh Grant in that movie. He's like, I'm f- having a bit of an issue with the web. <laughs> He's just so charming. He feels like he's in a different movie than everyone else. That's like every movie. He's in the Hugh Grant. I love Hugh Grant. I think he's... And I, he I brings a bunch everyone the... down to his level. He's like, everyone yeah. get on the Hugh Grant train for yes. this film. Uh, I watched a bunch of others, but the last one I'll mention, uh, because it was... Um, I was really excited for this movie. It had been in my letterbox watch list forever, and it was a movie that I think was kind of hard to find. I could—I don't remember it was streaming anywhere. Um, There's probably physical copies somewhere. I didn't investigate too much, uh, but it's called Doctor Caligari. Um, Wait, sorry, say it again. Doctor Caligari. I don't. Is this is not the cabinet? No. It's like a quasi sequel made by uh, this guy who I guess used to be a like a. A feature-length porn director, um, and I forget his his movies actually aren't on Letterbox because they're porn. But I thought Letterbox was going to start including. Yeah. So porn. the trick is you can't find any X-rated titles by searching for them. You have to Google the title and then Letterboxed, and then okay. it will come up in the Google <sighs> search. But you can't find it with a regular search. Okay. Oh, Thank you for that. What is that, Luce? This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. If you have any issues with porn, please come to me. <laughs> I think that I think the porn he did is called Cafe Flesh. Uh, Ooh, is one of the oh ones. Oh my god! I love that title. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they like showed a cafe it. where I would get a muffin. <laughs> they showed it. I saw it at Alamo Draft House, and they showed uh, a trailer for that and a trailer for his other one. Um, which I'm blanking on the name of. Anyways, I, I, and I forget the director's name right now. But anyways, the movie was um, really not. A, I you know I love weird, fucked up, gross, disturbing, bizarre shit. But this was like, it wasn't even like gross or like fucked up. It, like the uh, the person that gave the intro, um, this woman named Morgan Hyde, who is involved with like a local um, film collective called Hyper Real Film Club. She gave it um, a really, really fantastic intro. She loves the movie, um, and, but she did warn the attendees, like, if you're not into, like, theater kids stuff, you're probably not going to like this movie. 
And uh, I was so <laughs> glad like she mentioned Case that. Sounds like Case and I would love it. <laughs> oh, no. I, was, uh, I, was say, I could I see don't... both of you guys absolutely loving it, actually. Because <laughs> uh, the acting style is so, so bizarre. Like, that's really what, ma- what made it really hard for me to get into. Like, every line delivery was like, but what if we went to the asylum? And then, like, everyone was kind of, like, moving kind of like this. And like, when, when did this movie come out? <laughs> it came out in the 80s. Let me check. Uh, oh. And it's, like, a, a kind of, like, in, in the movie, it's this woman who runs the asylum, and it's her grandfather's asylum, who is the, the Dr. Caligari or great-great-grandfather or whatever. It came out in 1989. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, Have you heard of this, Luce? Never, but I'm interested. Here's the, oh, you can't see it with my stupid... <laughs> Uh, thing. Anyways, I recommend that you both watch, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. I was uh, underwhelmed, mostly because of like the acting and mm. just the style of it was really kind of off-putting. But there was a lot of like really cool sexual stuff. I mean, it's basically it's, it's a woman is committed for having a quote unquote like disease of the libido, and her husband's oh. trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's just some of the highlights and lowlights. I do, it, I do think it's worth a watch because it's unlike anything else I've ever seen. But uh, it wasn't uh, Morgan who presented it. Uh, she invoked Layer of the White Worm too, saying if you like this, oh. you'll probably also love Layer of the White Worm. Um, and that's one of the movies. Alamo? I did not like Doctor Caligari, but I love Layer of the White Worm. Love, love, love. It. What this was at Alamo, Patrick? Yep, yeah, Alamo Draft wow. House. They do weird Wednesdays. So this was yeah. the the Wednesday before was Doctor Caligari, and then the most recent one was. Layer of the White Worm. Fantastic. So yeah, there's my Luce. little update. Thank you, Patrick. I yes, appreciate my that. My pleasure. You may have heard uh, me make a little squeak when you were doing your list because I also watched Halloween four. I watched Halloween <gasps> three, four, and five. I really nice. love four and five. Um, I think they're very good, uh, kind of side stories about uh, Laurie Strode's daughter. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Danielle Harris, who plays the daughter, is like a fantastic child actress. And she's, she's in peril the whole time. And I think like Children in Peril is like a horror movie thing I like because it's pretty taboo. You don't really mm-hmm. see that in films very often. Anyways. Maybe that is like a clue on the movie we're going to be discussing. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we screened Killer Clowns from Outer Space in our new micro cinema at Videotech. <laughs> nice. So it was like our whoop, first whoop. film that we were screening at Videotech in our new space. So that was really thrilling. We got about 30 people, which is pretty good. It was kind of a last minute. It took us a long time to get the rights. So we only had like a week of ad time. How did that work? How did you, like, how does that work, getting the rights to that? Who do you contact for, especially for a movie like that? Because that's Yeah, you can usually find who owns, like, the licensing fees by, like, Googling it. And then you just email them and you're like, yo, we want to screen this. We're going to screen it for less than 50 people. How much do we owe you? Yeah. You didn't, you didn't email Mr. Killer Clown. I was like, Mr. Clown, <laughs> please do not kill me. I would like to screen your picture, your manifesto. There are like companies that have, I, I've, I have very little experience with it, but I have had to do that sometimes. There are some companies that work as intermediaries with getting the rights. Um, but yeah, usually when, like Luce said, if, if it's for like a smaller amount of people, it's pretty easy. It's yeah, we work expensive. with Janice Films a lot because we did do some screenings in our old space. And so Janice is really great. We have a really nice connect there. Um, 
Yeah, so it kind of just depends. It's like hit or miss. Sometimes you have to go through a few different people to figure out the right person. I luckily don't handle that aspect of it because it's boring and I don't like it. (laughs) Um, We also, so for my uh, Patreon ghoul gang, we screened two movies I'd never seen that I picked because my listeners loved them and wanted me to watch them, which is kind of a cute, like instead of me screening something for them, they kind of picked things that they wanted me to see, which I thought was adorable. Yeah, I love Um, that. Two classics you guys are going to be shocked I'd never seen before, Monster Squad and Trick or Treat. You had never seen Trick or Treat before? I never did. And I'll tell you why. It came out in 2007, which if you recall, was like the height of like the torture films, you know, and most of the horror movies that were coming out in the 2000s, it was like right after Hostel got released. This got released. And most of the films were so violent at that time that this one looked very violent. And I, in my mind, it was like, I thought it was kind of like Halloween, but like cutting bodies open and taking Mm. out organs. And I, no one ever corrected me. (laughs) (laughs) They just let you go on believing that for years. (laughs) This year, some of my like really sweet listeners that don't like extreme horror said it was their favorite film. And I was like, wait, isn't it so violent? And they're like, no, like all the kills are off screen. It's like, what? (laughs) Do you guys ever do that? I have like made up ideas about certain movies, I think. And I don't know where they came from. I I definitely have. I I can't think of any right now, but there's ones where I'm like, oh, that movie is like this and I don't want to watch that. And then I would watch it and I was like, oh, I was so wrong. Yeah, what a dummy. (laughs) A kind of weak example, because this is probably way more common, but like... uh, I remember just thinking Barry Lyndon was going to be the most boring movie, I, boring movie I'd ever seen. And then finally watched it and I was like, I actually love this movie. It's not boring at all. Uh, oh, Patrick, I have such a similar story. So I got obsessed with Stanley Kubrick in high mm-hmm. school. Uh, and from I read A Clockwork Orange and I loved it so much. Still one of my all-time favorite books. And then I watched the movie and then enjoying, I loved that movie and obviously loved The Shining. So then I went on this uh, Kubrick kick my senior year of high school and I watched all of his films and I didn't like Barry Lyndon. I was like, this is so boring, so dumb, but I was like 17. Yeah. There's, it's a very nuanced film. And I think I, at the time I was like, period piece. And then I (laughs) rewatched it earlier this year and I was like, this is a phenomenal movie and I would have never rewatched it had they not put it on at the store. Yeah. Another good example is Age of Innocence. I don't know if you've seen Scorsese's Age of Innocence. I actually haven't, but not because I I have a preconceived notion about it. Yeah, the both Barry Lyndon and Age of Innocence thought they were going to be just major slogs, and they were fantastic. Well, Patrick <laughs> and I always talk about it. Towering this filmmakers sort of... try their hand at something that usually works out. <laughs> this is kind of the reverse of that, but Patrick and I do this. have talked about how we're like, oh, we loved something, even though we were like, that was so boring and we hated it. Like, in film school and stuff, where we were like, oh, just five out of five, just a complete masterpiece. Just one of my favorite films of all time, and we like fell asleep during it. Yeah, pretending that you like something. I'm gonna have to yes. think if there's anything like that that I. You know what? I think the one I lie about all the time, and I'm gonna admit it right here because I know that it's good, but I just it's not for me. Is Tarkovsky? Like mm. I know Stalker is good, Slayers is good. I I see why they're important yeah. films, but I they're not fun for me, and I don't yeah. like watching them. And like if somebody was like, "What are these about?" I could not really tell you other than like the basic, you know, film write up about it because I can't focus when they're on. 
Yeah. Well, didn't Stalker Patrick wasn't that the one where people got really mad at us that loved that movie because we were like it's boring on <laughs> yes. on Fart House and we had like people online really mad. It's like a show that considers the greatest piece of cinema and art in history boring. I won't listen to them and they they got all yeah we got flamed on Twitter it. for that one. Yeah, that's oh, hilarious. Well, well sorry to uh, flamed. It was like three agree. people, but the flamed that's flamed for Fart House. It we were torched, still smoldering. Uh, well, I got a. <laughs> or Casey, or no, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting you mixed up with somebody else. I think. Did have you guys seen Blood for Dracula? Blood for Dracula and no. Shivers That's were the two I, owned, I watched this year watched. too. <laughs> okay, I really was liked I with it. you when you bought that, Patrick? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like you were with me when I bought um, Vampiros Lesbos and she killed an okay. ecstasy. You were with me when That's I got what those. I was <laughs> yeah, I see those. Well, I loved Blood for Dracula, but a couple of my friends on Letterboxd said that it was boring. I was trying to remember if that was you, Casey. And I've I did heard not that think it, it was boring. boring. You didn't it's think so? It's so horny. Okay. I mean, I don't know. It's a it's weird. I liked it a lot. I think that it's like very performative and sort of like, oh, why have you come here today if you were not to take my hand in marriage? You know, it's, they kind of talk like that for two hours, mm-hmm. but... I was eating it up. The fashion is great. There's all this bright red blood and there's all this like incest and like people lying about being virgins, but they're actually huge sluts. Like, <laughs> I, Sounds like I me and Casey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like crazy dismemberment. Yeah. Like I loved it. It had everything for me. Dang. So right, that was the cool. new one to me this year that I, the artsy film that I loved. And then I watched Shivers, David Cronenberg's Shivers for the first oh, time yes. too. Oh yeah. Also pretty horny. Did we watch that together, Patrick, in the theater at the Egyptian during we did. the yeah. David Cronenberg Beyond Fest year? Yes. I think I watched five David Cronenberg movies in one day. It you was, did. Uh, uh, I missed, wild. I think, I remember I was driving it from San Diego, so I missed Rabbit, I think, showed before. Yeah, it was Rabbit, Shivers, um, Scanners, The Brood. And I think Ooh, it so ended goopy. with Dead Ringers. It was Dead Ringers Another Night. No. But it, it, they did show, we did see Dead Ringers there, too. Yeah. Man, what a day. What a day. Gooptastic. Gooptastic indeed. Um Luce, did you have any more? I'll just say one more, which is I watched the Spirit Halloween movie because <laughs> I was like, Oh, I should watch this. It's about Halloween. And we don't get that many movies that are just about Halloween. And I thought, you know, even if this is just like a shill, it's an advertisement, like going to Spirit Halloween can be fun. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. And I watched it. It ended up being like under duress at some point where I was just like, I'm not giving up on this, but I am yeah. not having a good time anymore. <laughs> See, Trisha like, will just stop watching movies. I never do that. I have to finish. Yeah, I, have I to feel finish like I'm a prisoner too. to it. I can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will put down a book though. A book really has to wow me because yeah. you invest too much time in it. But because I have not liked or I have felt lukewarm about a film and then the ending makes me love it. Like, mm. I didn't like the Florida project while I was watching it because it reminded me too much of, like, people in my hometown. And I was like, I yeah. could just go home to see this type of living. <laughs> and when it, get to the, when it gets to the end, though, and, like, the two little girls, oh, my God, I was sobbing. And I was like, this is the most beautiful film anyone has ever made. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, what if... I believe that movies can turn it around in the last act. I mean, I shouldn't have given that much credit to Spirit Halloween, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> but, I mean, terrible child acting, the corniest oh, lines. And I like corniness. I also watched both of Elvira's movies this month. I like good corny humor, but this was like ripping off so many genres, performances, stories. 
Um, it was, you know what type of humor it was? I don't know if they said this exactly, but it was a like, oh my God, I just threw up in my mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know um, what I mean? Awesome sauce, happens. cool beans. It was th- yeah. that level. Yeah, um, that happened. I did a thing. That level of like milk toast, Awkward. worn out. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> Plus animatronics coming to life, which that part I liked. Oh, I also man. hate that this is also a classic one of those jokes where it's like, did he just bring a knife? Or it's like, can, did he just bring a knife into the convenience store? He just brought a knife into the convenience <laughs> store. Or it's like something like like that kind of like. Yeah, they think if the more they repeat it, the better it is. Like in lieu of writing oh is repetition. I'll yeah. just, uh, I'll show you. I'll do my one line review because I it got a lot of likes and I feel proud of it. I said, Please. much like the Spirit Halloween store, this film is fun to look at for about an hour, but ultimately tedious and lacking humanity. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I yes, went to a Spirit sounds- Halloween store in the Mall of America this year. Was it huge? Not really. No. It was bleak. <laughs> it's bleak. If you go in October, it's pretty bleak. You have to get there in like early September to still see the yeah. like life in people's eyes. Yeah, it was uh... the idea of doing inventory at a Spirit Halloween. It's like oh, man. terrifying. The thought of that. Imagine how many skews they must have. Ugh, people are always like, "Have you worked at a Halloween store?" And I'm like, "No, I'm still alive. Clearly, I've ended it. Had I worked at a Halloween store, the skews. Imagine. Oh my god. Okay, my turn. Uh, let box rundown i there's just so many to go through uh first one uh i saw this movie brain scan which i really loved it's with edward furlong it's like vr it's from 1994 and there's this character called uh what the fuck is he called it's like the trickster and he's like this (laughs) internet video game (laughs) goblin and it's it's great wait casey can i pause you just really quick yes because i think you mentioned this on our last recording maybe or maybe not but i also watched burial ground and saw the weird creepy kid who was played by like a 45 year old man yes Have you seen Burial Ground, Lucy? No, I haven't. It's an Italian film, and it is. There's a 25 year old man who plays a kid <laughs> in the movie, but it's not really for scares or laughs. But you, the whole time, it's you're like, very straight. Why is this? Is clearly a little man playing like a 10 year old. It's like, mommy, mommy, <laughs> and it's. And it, the only reason I'm going to give a little spoiler. The only reason it's in there is because he like starts fondling and like uh, a woman's boobs and like uh, sexually assaults her. And I'm like, I guess you couldn't have a kid do that scene. <laughs> and so they cast a, but that scene is so unnecessary. I was going to say, I don't feel like that's even needed for the story. And I don't even know what the it story is. is. <laughs> and I am a pro sex scene in movies no, this wasn't even, even the sex. Story. It was just fucking. It was it just was like weird. Groping. It was sexual assault. It was gross. And I'm like, why was this in there? <laughs> and yes, it, sorry to interrupt, you, but when you when you no. talked about a character named the Trickster, the, the image of that little man <laughs> popped. Into my that head. was the first movie we watched. <laughs> Is this a good yes. movie? Should I watch it? Brain Scan. I actually liked it. I thought it was good. What about Burial Ground? Uh, uh, <laughs> that was not good. Um, but uh, it's okay. It's entertaining. It's one of those like terrible movies that for some reason got the most beautiful transfer and it like looks incredible. Yeah. It's like, why was so much time taken with this movie? It wasn't necessary. Um, the worst movie I've seen this year is Zombie Town, which <laughs> is 
Chevy Chase is in it. There's like a bunch. Dan Aykroyd's in it. There's a bunch of uh, Kids in the Hall people who are in it. But it's like, it feels like a Disney movie. Chevy Chase is like in it for like, I'm not even joking, 25 seconds. <laughs> but it's like, he's top build and it's insane. It's just a terrible, it's horrible. When was and it's this one made? of those kind of. This year, well, it's one of the. It's, it reminded me of Spirit of the Spirit Halloween store where it's like terrible humor, just awful. Um, cash grab, cash grab. Uh, I'll move into more of the art house movies that I saw. Cat people from the eighties, so hot. Oh, Natasha I've never Kinsky seen that. Is so hot in this movie. My here's my review on Letterboxd. Natasha Kinski is so hot in this movie. I coughed up a hairball. That is <laughs> how I felt about that movie. Uh, Were you licking then, Dolly? <laughs> <laughs> ew. Uh, Dolly's my dog. For all of our new listeners. Really important um, distinction. Very important distinction. Uh, I saw Park Chan Wook's. Uh, Thirst, which oh, is really great. great Ooh, I haven't love seen that. that one. Really great good. Movie. I uh, love, I love his movies. I love yeah, him. Yeah, it's good. He's such a it's good, good fucking filmmaker. He really is. Um, we saw uh the last broadcast, which heavily influenced the Blair Witch Project. It came out the year before Blair Witch Project. It's not as good. And it's not as scary, but it's interesting. And it's like a fake documentary kind of. I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was decent. Uh, then, winding down here. Okay, I'll go straight to the, this one. Last night, we watched Skinnamarink. Ooh. Have I you seen Skinnamarink? I haven't Luce. watched it yet either. What did I you think, I wanted to Case? see the theater, but then nobody was available to go with me, and I thought, I'm like legit scared of the dark, and I didn't want to go see it alone, uh, and now I don't I... want it to come into my house because I'm afraid it's going to curse my home. Luce, if you, you, it is scary, and <laughs> it's effective. I was totally blown away. It's very slow. I mean, it's like so slow, but it's not. I mean, technically you could say it's experimental with how slow it is, but there is... It moves forward in a way. And there are some amazing visuals. It's so, the idea is so upsetting. I can't stop thinking about it. I gave it four and a half stars. I thought it was incredible. I'm like obsessed with this movie. And it's like, obviously I'm like, you know, I love lo-fi indie movies. And this was made for like $15,000 in a guy's house. And it, the way it's shot, I was just blown away. I thought it was incredible. I loved it. We should do a, we should do an episode on it next year. Wow. Patrick. Okay. I just was. You've sold me. Away. I was very apprehensive because I had heard some, and not you. I don't usually, uh, you know, I'm not usually scared off when people say something is slow, but it does kind of, you know, if I do you kind of internalize that, that and wonder about it, and so I kind of like mentally put it lower in my queue. You know, when I hear, when I gets, kept waking up in the middle of the night last night, being like, "Skin." Like it was, it scared me. Oh, and we have been calling it Skinkadink, which is not what it's called. But, um, That's like the Asylum Films ripoff. Yes, exactly. Skinkadink. Skinkadink. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, I've seen many other movies of varying goodness, but uh, those are the those are the hits. What number for... would you give Skinnamarink on the uh, fartsy scale? Ooh, good question. Oh, man, without having to go through the whole nine point. Seven. <laughs> it's slow. Oh, wow. Wow. Didn't it do pretty well at the box office too? It like, made two million dollars on fifteen thousand. Yes. Oh my god. That's and it's a like win. this guy. It's like this gay guy from uh, Edmonton made it, and it's like he's incredible. So and he's, he's a good. Fan. He's a good uh, Twitter follow too. He's very funny. Cool. Hmm. Um, 
he had this I he had this tweet about X Files and he was like, I found the you know, the subject matter of this show was so inspiring for me and like David Duchovny was inspiring for to me for more sexual reasons or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, same. Uh but yeah, that was my letterbox rundown for Shocktober, October. And uh, I've been having a great time and I'm sad it's ending. Yeah, I know. Mm. Me too. I mean, it doesn't, we don't have to stop watching horror movies, but still a little bit of the magic is gone when the calendar changes. Well, if you want to watch spooky movies all year round, you can join the Patreon Ghoul Gang at patreon.com slash it's always Halloween. You know, Casey's a a member, actually. I didn't (gasps) didn't want to put Patrick on the spot, but... mm. I'm going to become a member. It's fun. It's fun. Do I get a personalized (laughs) hello from you when I join? Yes. Cool. Because otherwise I never hear from you, Luce. (laughs) Luce also did a very nice... uh, She wrote a wonderful... um, uh, post about 14 stories in a bathroom and me and she said some very kind things and uh she's just she's awesome she rules i don't know what, i don't know what else there's to say how about that. should this be the rest of the episode like just if you want to like love <laughs> compliments, compliments yeah. my way yeah mm, sure, 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 sure. We'll, see, we'll see what we can do uh well let's move on to the rest of the show Okay, so like we said at the top, this is a Fart House. It's always Halloween crossover event. And on Fart House, we discuss the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. Uh, we subject it to our proprietary fartsy test, which determines how impenetrable this movie really is. And the question I always ask at the top of the show, because Patrick has an insane DVD and physical media collection, so much so he's seen like 1% of what he owns. So I always ask Patrick... Patrick, we're oh, we're talking about The Shining today. I can't believe I didn't even introduce it. We're talking about The Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick, a classic. But Patrick, do you own this movie, and have you seen it before? Yes, and yes. Um, have you watched the copies that you own? <laughs> That's always a very good, good follow-up. Follow uh, this was my first time watching the copy that I own. <laughs> what I you, what formats do you have it on? Uh, I only have the Blu-ray one now. I uh, don't have it in 4K yet, uh, and the DVD, long gone. I don't know where I the have DVD the, is. I have the tape. I have the VHS <gasps> tape, and I have the cardboard snapcase DVD. I need oh, to yeah, I need I have the uh, cardboard snapcase DVD as well. Um, I uh, have a couple kind of Kubrick Shining-related stories from when I first... Yeah, I was just going to ask you what your connection with this movie is. Yeah, so when I was like a... Um, budding cinephile we refer to Mm. these days quite often on this show and um (laughs) as i was like learning about uh kubrick and in particular the shining i was i was lucky i had a computer in my room as as a you know teen uh in tween and uh so this was early days of internet so it was probably like or at least to me it was early days of internet i don't know like oh three maybe maybe oh two and I would like, there was all these blogs, you know, blogs were, were new and, uh, I was just looking for things about the shining and I found this blog and started reading this blog and, uh, start scrolling down on their screen caps from the movie. And then, um, if you've, most folks, you know, I can't believe I even just said spoilers. If you haven't seen the shining by now, get, get over, <laughs> just fucking see it. But you know, <laughs> when it's, the, yeah, it's... when the nude woman comes out of the bathtub and mm-hmm. approaches Jack Nicholson, there were screen caps of that on the blog. When and she's still I've, hot? 
<laughs> or when yeah, she rots. Yeah, when she's still hot. But then there's screen, clops of, screen caps of the, of the rotting, too. Hotterrot.com. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, such a little, um, like, goody two-shoes kid. I went and told my mom that I had seen a naked woman on the Ooh. internet. <laughs> My Patrick, God. I, did, they, did you get to keep your computer in your room? I, I, got, I, got, I lost it for like a week. Oh, <laughs> you should, I was going to make a joke about unlimited pornography access when you said computer in your room, but that wouldn't have even crossed your delicate no, little angelic I was mind. Like, no, I, it felt awful. I remember like seeing it and clicking away and navigating and scurrying downstairs to tell my mom that I accidentally looked. <laughs> Oh, you did it immediately. It wasn't I even laying on your mind. I like, I like shoved my computer away. <laughs> did you go to a priest after? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mention it to the priest. When I think I, we, I think we had stopped going routinely to church by that point. Surprise! You didn't take it back up specifically for that reason. <laughs> the guilt so strong. Patrick, I I relate. I had extreme guilt. I think I might have mentioned this in the podcast before, but when I saw my first R-rated movie in fourth grade, Starship Troopers, which is a very very hard R for a first R Hilarious movie. first um, R. My first R was, was Air Force One, which is like, should just be PG-13 probably. I was, I, th- I was racked with guilt. I remember writhing in my bed because I felt so bad <laughs> that I had seen an R-rated movie. Oh my God. So. Catholicism is so bad for people. <laughs> have you ever had these feelings, Lisa? <laughs> no, because I didn't have to go to church. And I was just like happy and horny from the time I was like 10 until now. <laughs> well, we were unhappy and horny. And that was a... <laughs> also, I was just like, yeah, where can I see boobs? But I was like getting books from the YA section and like masturbating oh, yeah. to like the adult Judy Bloom books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Patrick, so that's, that's my, so my, wonderful. my most relevant shining moment. I finally watched it uh, in Maine, actually, which made it like exceptionally more scary cool. uh, watching oh, yeah. it in Maine. Uh, on my grandma's TV, and it was terrifying and incredible. And it's always the movie I cite, I think, less so now because I've seen it so many times, but it's always the movie I cite as being like probably the scariest that I've seen and still find scary on some, some yeah. levels. I, uh, Luce, what, what, what's your, uh, do you have any connection to this movie in particular yes. or any history with it? Absolutely. What I think is interesting about The Shining, and I'm curious to know if, the two of you had an experience like this, but I think it's the kind of movie when you're a millennial that looms very large in culture. And Mm -hmm. my mom read Stephen King when I was a kid. She was really into Stephen King. And I remember there being Stephen King books all over the house and just like their covers freaking me out. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, my parents are huge cinephiles. And so we were always renting and watching movies. My parents were always talking about memories of movies they went and saw in the theater together. And a big story in my family was my mom and their friends, and I maybe my aunt and uncle too, all going to see The Shining when it came out in 1980, obviously before I was born. And they were so freaked out, everybody that they were, they were passing the popcorn like back and forth to each other, like holding it in front of their faces because <laughs> they were so freaked out. And like when the, um, you know, a few different scenes, but like, yeah, the bathtub scene where she turns into the rotted woman. And then when the Grady twins are shown chopped up, these sort of like quick cuts, mm-hmm. uh, my mom talked about everybody in the theater screamed, 
right? And she would talk about how it was the scariest movie that she had ever seen, and she like, didn't want to see it again. And so you gr- <laughs> I grew up hearing these stories, and it's creating this like huge lore mm. in my mind. And my mom's talking about how the book is the scariest book, and then the third, I grew up watching Friends, R.I.P. Matthew Perry, Ugh. and we were watching the third season, and there's a really great episode in the third season about reading The Shining and like it was all about how scary it was and The Simpsons a season or Treehouse of Horror 5 have mm-hmm. that great parody The Shining and so that <laughs> I watched before I saw The Shining and I even thought that was scary because you know yeah. all these characters you used to see are getting murdered on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> What does Homer say in the typewriter? It's like, feeling fine? Oh, yeah. On the typewriter, Marge goes, feeling fine. Huh, that's a relief. And then the <laughs> lights flash, and it's written all over the yes. walls. No TV and no beer make Homer go crazy. Yes. I could probably do a one-woman show of just that. <laughs> I feel like... That would be I amazing. Just, I, I saw Luce recently when we were in California briefly, and I feel like we were quoting Treehouse of Horror back and forth for Yeah, we were, and Isaac was just straight. like, uh, I already get this at home. Yeah. <laughs> Our eyes were glazed over. We were just emotionless saying lines back and forth. Regurgitating. I am a vessel for the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> so... When, by the time I finally watched it, I actually watched it with Warren. I didn't watch it my I didn't watch it during the the Stanley Kubrick um, the marathon I was doing in high school. I remember I was I turned it on and the music I was by myself and the music opening music scared me so much that I turned it off. <laughs> yeah, it's scary music. It and starts then, right away. Yes. Well, do you guys know about the music? How it's um it's like the death chord. There's this very specific no. chord that's used that's used in a lot of horror movies that was a part of like Gorgarian chants. Oh, interesting. No, and I heard about this. it's supposed to, it actually, this arrangement of chords um, makes you feel like you're in danger, like as you're watching it. Oh, oh God. fascinating. So it creates um, a psychological it's Wendy, Wendy Carlos, right? Didn't she do the soundtrack? Yes. Wendy mm. Carlos. Yeah. Um, I'll just do my quick history with The Shining. Uh, same thing, Luce, similar. My parents like loved it. Like they were like, that is the movie. Like mm-hmm. that is the scary movie. And so it had a lot of lore built up about it. And I think I saw it in eighth grade at a friend's house and I was just old enough to enjoy it while being terrified. Like, but it was like, it, I feel like it really warped me and like to like what movies could be. Like I was just told, it was like, beyond my grasp and it was just so scary and like otherworldly and i remember like we we were at my friend michael glenn's house and we was like we were watching it in his bedroom at a sleepover and the bathroom was at the end of a hall and i just remember like running to the bathroom (laughs) and like running back because i was just too afraid um yeah how old were you that i was probably like 12 or 13 like pretty young to see this movie. And also when Trisha, my now wife and I started dating, she had not seen this movie. Before. <gasps> Isaac and, hadn't seen it either. I got to show oh, it to really? Isaac for the first time. Yeah. Yes. And it was so satisfying to watch it with her for the first time. And especially when the, again, we're just going to spoil this movie because it's too, if you haven't seen it, I don't <laughs> yeah, even, I don't know. Yeah, it's been up for 40 years. years. <laughs> when Scatman Crothers gets killed and Jack, I mean, that's one of the great all time jump scares and it's so simple, but Trisha was like, 
her like voice went down several octaves and she goes, Oh shit. Like it was like <laughs> she got so afraid. It was it was just such a satisfying satisfying. That's moment. amazing. Have you guys read the book? No. Uh no. I really recommend. I own the book. I haven't read it. (laughs) I actually, oh, I wish I had it in here with me. I have the movie version of the book. So it has the original yellow uh, poster is like the book cover. And it has pictures like stills from the film, like in the middle of it, which is kind of neat. Um, That's funny because Stephen King famously did not like this. Yes, he doesn't like this adaptation because it it technically is not a good adaptation of the book. It's an incredible, Mm -hmm. beautiful film that's very much succeeds as a horror film, Mm -hmm. but it it really dropped everything related to like the characters and the story. And I think Stephen King views it as like very cold and Mm. not character based. And Stephen King's really a character writer. Like his he has spooky themes, but. If you read his books, it's a it's chapters and chapters and chapters about people, and mm-hmm. then something crazy happens. But yeah. I think the fact that Kubrick stripped all of that for you know atmosphere is what made Stephen King really angry. Gotcha. But, I, he's just so on the wrong side of history. On that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like he can't separate himself. It's his own yeah. work, you know, and and it's really about him and like his alcoholism. Mm. And I think for him, it was so personal that to have all that stuff kind of stripped away from Jack Torrance's character um, and made it kind of just be about like him being crazy and not all this other background. I think it felt uh, like it a doesn't personal make him slight. a sympathetic. It doesn't make him a sympathetic character at all, so I could see where he would be. Yeah, but the book is terrifying. It is. I think the book is the scariest book that I've ever read, and I've probably read wow. it four or five times, and each time I'm like, uh, this is whatever, I've read it, and then I'm like, ah! I'm like reading it, and then I'm up all night because I don't want to close my eyes. So oh, if you want a good scary book for next year or any time, because it's always Halloween, <laughs> I definitely recommend it. I also think it's one of Stephen King's like greatest accomplishments as far as his novels go. So if you haven't read any Stephen King, it's a great one to start with. Did you read wow. or watch Dr. Sleep? Yes, I both. I read it when it came out and then I watched the adaptation because it came out like the week of my birthday. And so I went and saw it on my birthday. How is um, it? I love it, but if you haven't read The Shining or Dr. Sleep, I don't think you'll like it because most okay. people who went to see it thinking it was like a sequel to The Shining, which like it is, but a lot of people didn't like it because they don't... Mike Flanagan did an incredible adaptation of the book, and he also understands Stephen King's characterizations, and it's a very emotional story, so it doesn't have that stylistic flair or artsiness that The Shining does. So I think if you were to watch it thinking it was a sequel to... Kubrick's The Shining, you would think it was bad because it's kind of dramatic. Mm -hmm. But if you're thinking of it as like a sequel to the book, it's a really great, I think it does what uh, Kubrick wasn't able to do with the story. Like Stephen King loves the Dr. Sleep adaptation. Gotcha. I did not read any of the books and I saw Dr. Sleep and I loved it. I thought it was really good. I think it's really good and it does a good job of weaving in the original shining movie and i like that they didn't do any bullshit cgi uh kind of jack nicholson when he was jack young. nicholson uh ai uh deep fake thing they just yeah, cast they got people new that look like them they I got new that. actors and they they do look like Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson, but it's so great because it's a story about memory and, you know, yeah. drama. And it's it's great because your memories of people change all the time. What we see in our head is not the way that people look. And so I think that that benefits, you know, the story to have them cast differently because it really underscores how fallible memory is, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you no, liked Actually, it. I think you, 
I think you like it, Patrick. It's kind of like, yeah, it's different, but it's still scary, I think. Yeah. I just had a lot of uh, customers bitch to me about it. So I'm like a little defensive about it because I'm like, (laughs) you didn't even read the books. You don't even know what you're talking about. So I'm informed. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, you know what I usually say? I'm like, well, if you would have read the books, you'd probably understand a lot more about it. That's, That's my good. kind, That's shitty way good. of talking to people who I get into my get under my skin. <laughs> well, let's that. get into the Shining discussion a little bit. I'm just going to do a very brief, brief synopsis on the Shining for all. I don't know, you, like we've been spoiling it. It's like I can't even imagine if you haven't seen the movie or listened to this. But it's about the Torrance family, specifically Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, and they are the uh, I was going to say Undertakers, the caretakers of the Overlook Hotel during the winter months. And there have been some previous tragedies at the Overlook Hotel, and it may be haunted, and it might infect the minds of those who are staying there. And uh, it does, frankly, <laughs> infect the minds of the people who are staying there. And uh, yeah, it's spooky, spooky movie. That's it. That's the synopsis. Um, I what the reason? See, Lucey suggested we talk about this movie because. Of the bathrooms, because it's mm. 14 stories in a bathroom <gasps> episode, yeah. see? Iconic bathroom scenes in yes, this movie. Yes, and I kind of, I clocked all the bathroom scenes. Do you mind if I just go through them really quick? <gasps> yes, yeah, I was actually I hoping that. that you would. <laughs> so there, it's actually, I wasn't, I was like, oh, that's funny. It's a funny idea. There's like all these bathroom scenes. That's good. But actually, they are like more pillars of the movie than I even mm-hmm. realized um, the first bathroom scene, the first scary bathroom scene is when Danny is talking to Tony in the mirror at their apartment and he's like, why don't you want to go to the Overlook Hotel? And he's like, I just don't. And it's, it's like the first, you kind of, it's the first time where it's like something is wrong, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, I have more to say about Tony. I have more questions about Tony after this viewing and maybe you guys can answer them. Uh, the second bathroom is the tour of the Overlook Hotel apartment. And while Jack Nicholson is in the bathroom, he says, it's very homey. I I clocked that too. I was like, wow, this is a movie that really gets even better on frequent viewings because there's so many lines that feel benign when you're watching it the first time that when you know what happens, you're like, well, that's sinister as fuck. (laughs) I feel like this viewing, I noticed just how menacing Jack Nicholson is from the jump. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But only like, especially talking to his wife or is like, like it's scary. It's scarier watching it the second time because you're like, oh God. He's You're just waiting up. for him to crack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's much more the tension. The third bathroom scene is the infamous hot or rot lady <laughs> scene. Uh, the one that got Patrick's about... internet removed from his room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got Patrick banned from the internet for a moment. Uh, beautiful bathroom. Gorgeous oh, the bathroom. green Incredible and the yellow. Tile. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, the fourth bathroom is the red bathroom I with love Grady. That scene. Which I is love maybe that scene. one of my favorite maybe the scenes. best scene. Also, it's it's one of the few scenes that doesn't have non diegetic music through it. It has music coming from the ballroom, mm, mm-hmm. but there's no like eerie Wendy Carlos score kind of punctuating it. And mm-hmm. it's a very long scene too of them 
talking. Isn't that the one where he says, like, aren't you, didn't you kill your wife and kids? And he's like, no, I don't believe, I don't remember that. I don't don't think that was me. And he goes, yes. Yes. And he's, like, speaking in this, like, very theatrical way. And his face is just getting, like, more and more like the Cheshire Cat. I I gotta say... (laughs) I think you were the guy. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, it's very, I noticed too, like he spelled like, uh, Jack Nicholson is so impatient with his wife in this movie. He has such rage towards Shelley Duvall at everything she does, like anything. But this Butler random guy spills drinks all over him. And he's like, it's all right. It's no problem whatsoever. Let's go to the bed. Like he's like totally accommodating and fine. Right. Well, because if um, it's in his mind too, if it's or it's an extension of yes, him, and he doesn't feel any of that ire towards himself, he takes it out on everybody else yes. instead. And then the fifth bathroom is the famous uh, axe chopping through the door scene. Here's Johnny, and that's the final bathroom. But it is interesting how many like important scenes take place in bathrooms. I thought I didn't really. Even realized that when it was when you suggested it, Lucy. Oh my gosh, I'm so smart. (laughs) Very perceptive, Lucy. Thank you. Well, I, you know, the bathrooms, and this is part of the your pitch as well, Casey, for the film. But they're an interesting space. They're a domestic space. They're a very emotional space. But you're incredibly vulnerable in the bathroom. It's the place where you're the most vulnerable in your home, and you're doing dirty and disgusting things in there and you don't want anyone to see. So I think it's interesting the way that things are overlapped, like that idea is like overlapped, right? And like how scary it is that like, yeah, they're in a hotel, but when he comes for his wife, they're in their living quarters. Yeah. And I think like that part is really important and like they're not in a stylized bathroom anymore. Like when he sees the ghosts, they're in these beautiful, fantastical bathrooms that you're almost like, God, is this bathroom even real? It's so pretty. Like, is this really what the hotel bathroom looks like? That's exactly what I thought, Luce, when they showed the green bathroom. I was like, would this even be in a hotel bathroom? It's so, it's like it's a huge ballroom. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, so when, so those scenes, they're almost removed, right? Obviously the, the, the hotter rot woman is classically scary and everybody remembers and thinks about that scene as number one. But the scariest scene is when he, to me, is when he acts through the door and she's screaming and she has like the large knife and like, there's no way out. She can't fit through the window. Like all of that scene, it's a very small bathroom. It's all white. It looks like the kind of bathroom that would be in almost anyone's home. There's no personal details to it. All of a sudden, this thing that felt very fantastical, like ghosts and like it's all in his head and he's just getting a little mad. All of a sudden, it like screeches to this like very real like um, domestic abuse, you know, and terror. And it's happening not in this crazy hotel, but like in their home, in the small claustrophobic space and I just think that's so brilliant like so well put together and makes it feel so much scarier because it's you can't kind of turn away from it the way you could with him imagining that woman is hot but she's a corpse Mm -hmm. she was hot and then she was yeah she was rot uh Patrick did you have any uh thoughts viewing I mean we probably all watch this movie like a million times but I, I, on this viewing, I was like, this is like the best movie ever made. I was just like totally like... I do think it's one of the best movies away. ever made. I'm all, Every time that I watch it, I'm blown away by... I mean, it's like kind of cliche to like say all the things about Kubrick, you know, about what a perfectionist he was and about his attention to detail. But it really like, it screams through more in this than I think 
almost any of his other films, in my opinion. Like, this is just, like, a distillation of all of his, like, talents and vision, like, executed, like, perfectly. And that... I'm still always absorbed when I watch this movie, but it's also interesting how, like, I'm finding myself just, like, struck by the achievement of it as a piece of art on its own, too. So there's, like, this meta experience, too, which is, you know, I I, I don't resent that experience, but I kind of wish I could uh, go back to when I first saw it and get, like, just, like, the pure thrills out of it. But and yeah. I'm not saying it's not robbed from it now. I still have all that, but there's also that other kind of viewing experience now that becomes larger with with each successive time watching it but this had been such a long time since the last time i had seen it so there was still like a lot of like beats that um weren't like as fresh in my mind that were still there were you know still little like treats like finding a little piece of food in the back of your mouth from like the oh, burger. Oh God, <laughs> that's a bad comparison. Yeah, we, we all then bring love it to that. the forefront. <laughs> Patrick, um, get out I, of here. We all love that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think I kind of mentioned this already, but I think the thing I noticed the most was just how uh, Jack Torrance's rage is really incited by his wife more than anything. Like he gets, he really goes off the deep end, like really crazy. And starts seeing things after she's like, you did this, you did this. When she's like, when he, when Danny has been choked mm-hmm. by the Hadarat woman, ostensibly. We are like, that's what we think anyway. But like being blamed for like something I didn't do, but definitely have in the past and would probably do again. But it's like, that's what really pisses me off. These women saying I did something that I didn't do, even though I have done it before, but like, how dare she? And like, even when Danny or when Grady's like, your son is trying to contact someone outside the hotel. Are you aware of that? He's like, his mother has influenced him. Like it, he <laughs> blames her for like everything that goes on. And it's just, I just really noticed his rage towards her being kind of the, like what makes him really go crazy mm-hmm. during all this. And, and she watching acts it too. Like, oh, go ahead. Lisa. Oh, I was just saying she acts, she has like the demeanor of a, you know, abused person as well. Yes. Like in the beginning where she's talking to the doctor about how, uh, Danny did have a dislocated shoulder because Jack because Jack grabbed him the way he's grabbed him a hundred times before, but this time it was just a little too much. And you're like, oh, there's no way that he grabbed him in a regular way, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like you see yeah. her sort of like embarrassment. It's an incredible shot. It's tight on her face. You just get a little bit of her neck, but it's mostly Shelley Duvall's face close up. She's barely blinking. She's trying to like smile and, and assure the doctor that it's not that big of a deal. And, and she's downplaying it just like the people, just like you do if you're in a long-term abusive relationship, because you don't want anybody to know. And this is like a woman who's been keeping secrets and covering for her husband. You imagine for the entire relationship, you know, and I know, and it takes this like horrific act of um, violence for her to be like, oh no, this is done. Like we yeah. gotta go, which she, you well, know, ultimately it no- does. I noticed too, like this was just like a small detail, but I was like, that's weird. And I never noticed it before. It was when she was like, and after that happened, he said, I'm never gonna touch an ounce of alcohol. Well, the, the event happened three years prior, the dislocation of the shoulder. So it was three years ago. And then she's like, and after that happened, he said he would never touch an ounce of alcohol again. And he hasn't drank any for five months. And I just think that's like a weird... I didn't like, catch that. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's like five months. That happened three. Like, it's just like a weird little moment that isn't dr- called upon, but it's like, that doesn't match up. Oh, amazing, you know? Casey. What a good moment to discover. Well, well, I do. I host a, a show called The Fart House. Oh, really, I thought this was my really show. Really good the Fart House. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is your show. Yes, that's true. You know what I noticed this time is when um, they were doing the tour and taking uh, the Torrances around the hotel before they leave for the winter and leave the Torrances all alone. They were talking about when they were in the hotel, that big bar that he's later talking to the ghosts. She says, oh, I bet we could have quite a party. And the hotel manager says, well, we got rid of all the alcohol, so you're going to have to provide your own. And he says, we don't drink. Like, that's what yeah. Jack says. Oh. And I'm like, bitch, it's your problem. And like <laughs> the classic fucking asshole move is that like, wait, she is also not allowed to drink now because you're a violent yeah. alcoholic. We don't drink. It completely <laughs> takes the onus off of him, right, to pull her into it. Yeah. yeah. I thought that yeah. was interesting detail. Watching this um, again too, like, or, I remember being very preoccupied the first time I saw this with trying to like put it together like a puzzle. And I don't know if the mm. book um, is different or similar in that way, but like there's a lot of stuff like that you, you know, from the famous ending to like to Delbert Grady's like role. And there's like so many different, like puzzles that are going on. I feel glad that I'm kind of like free of trying to like figure out like what everything yeah. means. Like, did you ever see that um, documentary that came out about 10 years ago called room 237? It's so good. It's actually one of my all time favorite movies. And the director really? Rodney Asher is a customer at video tech. And I have befriended him because I'm like such a big oh, fan. <laughs> it is so um, funny. Uh, seeing these people talk about all their theories with the movie and like their passion for it and like how they engage with it and hearing all the different like explanations for things and their conviction about it. And it's, it's really fun. Casey, you haven't seen it. No, I haven't. Okay. Something that makes Rodney's films really special. And this one, it works excellent. It's like so good for this is that he doesn't use talking heads. All the documentary Mm. subjects are not shown on screen. They're voiceover over imagery. And what he does is he combines experts with, you know, loonies. So (laughs) you have somebody who is actually talking about like the layout of the hotel and how Stanley Kubrick decided to lay out um, all of the shots and how none of the hallways connect. And it's supposed to give the viewer this unsettling feeling because the hotel layout doesn't make sense when you're riding around Danny or walking around with mm. Jack or Wendy. And then you'll have somebody after that who's not an expert in anything. And they'll talk about how the fact that Danny is wearing the Apollo sweater towards the end is Stanley Kubrick's clue that he was the one who directed the fake moon landing footage. Mm. And these will all be interspersed with each other. And so (laughs) the documentary also makes you feel like lightly insane and not quite sure what to believe. It's brilliant. It's such a clever idea. And it doesn't say like, you know, Dr. Shanann, like uh, expert and Louisa Penpickens, lunatic, you know, like you don't know. You just hear all these different voices telling you about The Shining. And it's it's really it's really cool. Highly recommend. Uh, I got to watch it. I think it's fun. I, I was I really just watching it this time. The Shining again. I was just like, I love this movie and I feel like I want to dive in deeper. So yeah. I think I definitely want to check that out patrick i was gonna ask you uh-huh how mad were you 
when Jack Torrance asks for bourbon <laughs> and he gets poured Jack Daniels. <laughs> Did you almost I, turn off the movie? No, that's close enough. It would have been much more frustrating if it had been like scotch that was poured. Jack Daniels. Did you notice that though? I did not know. No, you didn't. <laughs> wow, that's I shocking. I'm sure you'd pick up on that. No, if it had been scotch, I absolutely would have noticed. But I, that's so I think because Jack Daniels, you can reasonably get away with calling that bourbon, even though it's not. Yeah, okay. Tennessee mash or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> um, how would you guys both do in this situation? Meaning, like, if you were at a hotel, if you had to be the caretaker of this hotel, you know, I, I think maybe if it weren't haunted, like, if you actually were just, like, the caretaker of the Overlook Hotel. Is this in for, 1980 or in 2023? I'm just going to, I'll say 2023. I think it'd be fine. However, well, let's think about the parameters of the Overlook and lay it over 2023. If they didn't have television and they didn't have alcohol, what, and they needed to turn everything off to save money, what makes you think they're going to keep the Wi-Fi? They're probably not mm-hmm. going to pay for the Wi-Fi. So think about it yeah. like that. If it's, there was no internet. If there was no I, internet, I don't know what I would do. I, pr- I wouldn't do well. I don't believe, I I don't really, I don't, I don't know. I've never seen a ghost, but I do think if anywhere is haunted, it's hotels. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think totally. I would, I don't think I would do well. I think hotel, and, and this is the thing that's really hard because The Shining looms so large in like our collective cultural experience. I'm, I'm usually like a little freaked out when I'm in a hotel walking around by myself and the mm-hmm. hallways, if it's a long hallway, I mean, it's such a weird liminal space. And mm-hmm. I always have this feeling when I turn a corner that I am going to see something at the other end. And I find I like hotels a lot. I'd rather stay at a hotel than an Airbnb, but like, yeah, same Casey and I have talked about this. Yeah. I know that we're like the three (laughs) biggest haters of Airbnb. I feel like (laughs) some of the worst situations of my life. Yeah. I just, but like hotels kind of freak me out. If I'm in my own room, fine. But walking around a hotel, Oh, they're yeah. really scary, and I don't know if it's because of The Shining or because they're sort of like personality-less. You know, they're yeah. always like very beige, long hallways, no good art on the walls. Uh, now when I'm in a hotel, I think of either The Shining or Anomalisa. Have you ever seen Anomalisa yeah. by Charlie Kaufman? So I, I think, think of that too when I'm in hotels. <laughs> yeah, not, also uh, not a movie that's like easy to live through. Like, that's yeah. a, like, <laughs> I think I would do, if I didn't have the internet, it would be very hard for me. You would I, certainly do better than me. That's for, like, that's definitive. I think I would do okay. If I was able to like bring like a suitcase of movies and like <laughs> stuff, I think I would do okay. I went on a f- silent retreat for 10 days in college. Wow. At a, um, like a monastery in Malibu. And uh, at first I was going insane, but then I just kind of like got into the vibe of it. And it's like, I did nothing all day. I could journal and I could pray. And that was it all day. And uh, I kind of liked it. That sounds excruciating. (laughs) I'm curious. I would like to have a little bit less going on in my life. <laughs> yeah, did, I think if you can kind of downshift. Yeah. Uh, 10 days? 
10 days. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick's what? eyes first... are bugging out of his head. <laughs> the first 30 minutes, I was like, oh my God, what the fuck have I done? Oh no, this is a horrible idea. Did you idea. think about like, leaving? I don't think I thought about leaving, but I was like, like panicking because I'm like, I'm going to be here for 10 days. What have I done? I'm a fool. Like I could be on the internet looking at uh, nude stills from The Shining, you know? And I <laughs> said, I'm here. Um, but I don't know if I ever even knew this, that you did this. Yeah. Yeah. It was intense. I was probably a little more religious back then, so I was mm. able to like get into prayer mm-hmm. and like meditation you could eat, a little right? bit more. Yes, you could eat. Okay. But you weren't allowed. They're like, do not. There's other participants at the silent retreat, and they're like, don't make eye contact with other people because that's a form of communication. So mm. we'd be heads down. Oh, eating. that would be hard for me. I oh, I'm like such a little joker. I if something funny happened at all while I was eating, I'd yeah, have to be like, I, Oh my god, did you see that? I feel that? like I would have like a laugh attack that I would like poop myself, like laughing so hard. <laughs> well, like I, the, just I, the, I the remember, smallest thing would trigger me because I'd just be so pent up. <laughs> I, I remember like, at the end of the retreat, one of the girls was like, Oh, I had my phone the whole time. Because they were you were supposed to not have your phone, and this other girl was like, "Oh yeah, me and my uh, this other girl were uh, exchanging notes the whole time," and I was like, "They're robbing themselves, you all fuckers! Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? They're just hurting themselves." Did you have a roommate, Casey? No. Oh, okay. It was cool. It was like a I think it was yeah like a monastery. It was a bunch of monks, and it was like this place was like built in the a long time ago, and it was like <laughs> furnished with like. Stuff from like the 1960s. So it felt very old and it was kind of cool. And it was able to kind of like get into that. And you could look out at the ocean because you're up on this big hillside and it was cool. Wow. So yeah. do you just multiply that by what? Five months 20? is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will say this time that I was, he was like, when Jack Torrance was like, you guys, you don't do skiing up here? And they're like, no, it's impossible. And I was like, huh. Really? <laughs> I think you could figure it out. I don't know. I thought that was, that was kind of a funny, that like caught me this time for some reason. <laughs> like, you don't have skiing up here? I don't know. I think that there's all, all kinds of things like that that don't quite make sense and it's all on purpose. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like something they talk about in room 237 is that the office has a window, but it shouldn't have a window. If you follow like the layout, it's in the middle of the oh. hotel. Mm. And I think that's like a really fun detail. And the scene where like, um, you know, they're already gone. They've been living at the hotel for a little bit. And Danny's playing with cars in front of the TV, which is on. But there's yeah. it's not plugged into anything. There's no cords. Mm. It's just there playing. <laughs> so Did they, you know that there was an original different ending? Uh, I know what the, the ending of the book is different from the movie, but I didn't know there was another ending to the film. Yeah, there was an actual shot and it was in some edits that were oh. released in theaters, but it was pulled out of theaters like again. Like coming after the picture of him on the wall? It was, I'm not sure if it was in place of it or I think it was instead of that. Okay. So basically it's Danny and, um, Danny and what, why am I blaming? Wendy, Wendy. In, in the hospital. Oh. And, uh, the guy, the guy who, interviewed Jack Torrance for the job visits them mm. and he's like I'm so sorry that this happened all of this stuff interesting and he as he's leaving 
he tosses Danny, he's like, you forgot this, and tosses him a tennis ball. Oh. So it's kind of like he's in on it. Yeah. Ew. A little bit. Interesting. I don't know. I don't, mm. I'm glad that's not the ending, but I think it's kind of an interesting. Yeah. I like that we never leave the hotel once we get to the hotel. I agree. I think the ending is perfect as it is. Mm-hmm. The, the, I, I remember in eighth grade when I first saw this and they're like, you've always been the, the caretaker. And then it was like, why is his photo? Fo- why is he in that photo? Like, yeah, it was like, I like broke my brain, broke Still my brain and was my confounding brain. and so, so scary. Yeah. Yeah. I like that it takes place at the, it's the 4th of July ball. So yeah. The Shining is canonically a 4th of July movie now. Hey. Ah, <laughs> uh, that rich history of 4th of July movies. <laughs> the Sandlot and... Uh, that and the horror movie Uncle Sam. The Shining. <laughs> I, have, I have not seen that one. I haven't seen it either, but I know that cover very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's that um, lenticular. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys have anything else to say about The Shining before we move into the fartsy test? Uh, I, I won't. Oh, go ahead, Lisa. Yes. Oh, I have a question for you guys. I'd love to hear what you think. Um, this is one of those few highly artsy-fartsy films that mm-hmm. appeals to almost everybody who watches it. And mm-hmm. I don't think the fact that it's horror is enough because we've had a lot of artsy-fartsy horror over the last decade that people have been really nasty about or like haven't liked, mm-hmm. like The Witch, you know, or The Babadook. Lots of people being like, well, it's not that scary. And like, yeah. The Shining is scary, absolutely. But I kind of have this feeling that if The Shining came out today, people would say it wasn't that scary. And I I guess I'm wondering, like, what is it about The Shining? Do you think that it appeals to uh, cinema snobs like us, but then also Mm -hmm. appeals to the mainstream casual viewer and hardcore horror hounds who are kind of elitist about things needing to be a certain level of violent or intense to be a horror film? Patrick, do you have any thoughts on that? Stumped him. Uh, <laughs> I think who oh, say stumped the men? <laughs> We're scared of her. Oh no! Now you're turning me on too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I don't. Honestly, I don't know what to say about that because, in some ways, I think this is as scary as the witch in my opinion yeah definitely but then and there's I, people I who say that that movie's not scary at all i know there's a lot of people who are like that's not even like i can't i don't even think you can consider that a horror movie <laughs> right and I i'm like i'm sorry a crow pulling at your nipple that's terrifying <laughs> i honestly when i was watching the shining i kept thinking of a24 so it's interesting that you brought up the witch and, and the babo dukes isn't a24 but uh it remind i'm like a24 is so all of their horror movies are owe such a credit to The Shining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know just how it's the surrealness and the uh, the, the music and beautiful I think set a lot deck of are, and cinematography. I think a lot of it are intangibles too. Like Lise, how you mentioned, like kind of when we first started talking about it, there's like a lot of like um, cultural, like shared cultural. Uh, relevance here with this movie. So I think a lot of that goes to it. And honestly, the um, you just have like two of the greatest actors like ever um, yeah. just doing like some of the most incredible work. Um, even though weirdly, I saw that um, 
Shelley Duvall was nominated for a Razzie for this movie, which is absolutely that's misogyny. That's, that is this so is her insane. greatest insane. work. I, She's even better than Jack Nicholson. Yeah, She's she like, I was totally enamored with her. Also, on this worst movie. I was director, just like, which is strange, was also nominated. It's, it's very just so strange. funny how it was so. Like I, I know Steven Spielberg famously was like, I don't get it. I don't. I think this is bad. Oh, I so think really? Kubrick fucked up. Oh, I've heard At so first, many stories but now about. He's like, it's, now he's like, it's one of my favorite movies. But when he first saw, it, sometimes when like movies oh. are so ahead of the, so ahead of their time, it's hard to like, understand them in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that happened with this movie to some degree. But also, Patrick, like you said, this is a mainstream film. Mm-hmm. It was. It's. It's not. Like, A24 is art house. Like, mm-hmm. The Witch is only in the art house movies to some degree. The Shining is like a mainstream a Hollywood wide movie. release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wide release. So I think it gets a different consideration for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's still, yeah. I think, you know, when I, when I suggested this film, I was also trying to think of other horror movies in bathrooms because I was like, oh, it's kind of mainstream. Everybody's seen it. It's an artsy. But... Every time I watch it, and Patrick, you were saying this too, there's new things to see, and it's so beautiful. I mean, this is an art film. Mm-hmm. Why yeah, release? It looks but... incredible. It just looks so good. And I don't know if we all, maybe, I don't, I feel like because we're snobs, we notice that kind of thing. But maybe on some level, a lot of people watching it don't who don't normally think about those things are still experiencing how good it looks and might not realize how much they're enjoying it because of how it looks. <laughs> yeah. Cinema's yeah, I mean, gotten it's so like, ugly it's big now. Budget. You know, big yes. budget films are so gross and muddy and like the camera isn't making a choice. It's either just static or there's a bunch of wildly swinging like trick angles. Movies look so bad now. And I don't think it's just I don't I don't blame it on digital photography because you no. can still make a good mm-hmm. movie with digital. I, I don't I, I I I don't think that's why. It's it's something else. It's like I think a generation of filmmakers or previous generations of filmmakers and, and, um, you know, studio folks, I think a lot of folks like recognize, like, just like how optics work, like how, like your eyes and your brain, like play together with something with the screen. And I think there is something to that people like, like with lighting, I think lighting is is such an integral component. And I think that, I don't know, folks, I think they don't, they don't think enough about it when they make movies now. I don't. I don't think is at least my impression. Somebody, somebody was. Ta- this is different. This is TV. But somebody was pointing out like, sort of what you're saying, Patrick. It's like every prestige television show and every moody movie now is like muddy brown and yellow. Mm-hmm. And they did a comparison of Dexter. You know, they did the. There were. I don't like Dexter, but they did. The, there was like a new version of Dexter that came out recently mm-hmm. and they did it side by side versus like season one Dexter and it was like brown gray yellow versus <laughs> like contrast and light it's just like why that's just like the in vogue look yeah of everything now and it's just so it's just so visually unappealing mm-hmm. yeah and it doesn't suit every narrative. It's not yeah. to say that a washed out palette doesn't work. Like I've seen True Detective being cited in those yeah, examples. That's a good point. And like, yeah, I actually think that that washed out look really worked for True Detective. It added to the bleakness of the story. And it's, you know, a similar color palette. The Witch has a similar color palette. And mm-hmm. it shows how 
awful it is in like the 17th century, you know, America and like how dire things were for them. And what a, ter- I mean, it's bleak, you know, it adds to the bleakness. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you use a color palette like that and it doesn't have a reason, it's not like you're taking away from the story. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how good the script is. If the colors don't align with the theme of it, you're mm-hmm. losing something. Even if you, like you said, Patrick, you might not notice it, it's happening, but it's contributing to an overall like feeling of apathy towards a film or maybe not understanding it or not taking away the ultimate, you know, uh, theme of the movie because the color or the sound doesn't align yeah. with it. It's all part I of it. I think that's. I think that's why, like, Wes Anderson is so, like, he pops so much now because he's, like, the only one that's, like... Utilizing color. (laughs) Utilizing color in his movies. Like, and it's, like, now if you, like, utilize color in a movie, it's, like, oh, they're, like, that's, like, a Wes Anderson. It's, like, no, he's just, like, the only one who's doing that right now. That's what was so enjoyable enjoyable about Asteroid City. It was was also his most colorful film. I mean, the saturation was turned up so intensely (laughs) that I was just having so much fun looking at it. Like I felt like this sort of emotionally overwhelmed as I was watching it because I I felt so happy and uh, just thrilled the entire time. And it felt so fresh, which is really saying what a sorry state of affairs things are that I'm like, wow, blue in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I, I think there's a cheapness to a lot of that muddy look because it's like cheaper to probably make those types of movies just kind of like put a wash on it. But well, another issue I I have with like horror films now is like, everything is like neon and then like poor criticism is like, it's a neon soaked lynching (laughs) fever dream. And I'm like, why? Because you turned on bisexual lighting. Like it's meaningless. (laughs) Like everybody is just basking in the glow of like a girl's girl's girl sign. And it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Uh, And it drives me nuts. Like it's not a, it's not a choice to do something that is a simple way to evoke um, an emotional reaction like, because right away you see neon and you're like, 80s, nostalgia. And then that's like shorthand for getting every millennial to be interested in your like low budget horror film. Yeah. Yeah. Lazy. Film film is in a sorry state, which is why you should support 14 <gasps> Stories in a Bathroom. Go to yes. wefunder.com, 14 Stories in a Bathroom. Um, no neon lighting. <laughs> no neon lighting. I will not, unless I do do it, then it was for a reason. It'll and be well thought out if we I, yeah, do it. It'll be well thought out. But when anyone else does uh, it, it's stupid. <laughs> it's bad and stupid. When I do it, it's good and provoking. If someone um, gave you $50,000 right now, but you had to have a neon Arby's sign in every single scene, would you accept it? In every scene? If Arby's gave you $50,000 to make a movie, but insisted that the neon hat was a part of it as like a little watermark in the corner. Oh boy. We'd have to do some rewrites, that's for sure. (laughs) Would Arby's... Would Arby's do the craft services though for free? Arby's would also do the craft services. So yeah, you're freed up more budget. (laughs) I do like Arby's. I've never had Arby's actually. No, I'm going to fill up on curly fries, I guess. Have you had Arby's? <laughs> uh, you know, Arby's is one of those things that when people are like, do you miss eating meat? Because I'm vegan. And, oh, okay. I, and I know they're asking like steak, lobster. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, you know what I miss? One of those sloppy roast beef sandwiches from Arby's. <laughs> I did like Like I, I missed like the those. worst food. Yeah, I loved an Arby's roast beef. And their chicken fingers with the honey mustard dipping sauce. Ooh. The horsey sauce. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Patrick, 
to answer your question, if they give me a hundred thousand dollars, I would. A hundred percent. Are you joking? Yeah. Every ten minutes work. we have to say we have the meat. We got that too. Um okay, we have to move on to the fart seat test. I'm so sorry, we must. Okay, this is the fartsy test where you know, we determine the fartsy, artsy fartsiness of a movie. If you're listening for the first time, this is where we determine the artsy fartsiness of a movie. It gauges our, it's our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from this list. It's a living document, much like the Constitution, but far more important. Number one, disorienting editing choices. I say yes. I say yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. Lots of them. Uh, it cuts to a, a man in a dog costume giving a butler a blowjob on the edge of the bed. <laughs> love it. We never know why what? either. The proto furry. Yeah, the OG I love furry. It. Uh, and uh, the the hedge maze has a ton of disorienting editing yes. in it. Yes. That yes. scene yeah. is terrifying. You never know if you you're like Jack and then you're Danny and then you're Jack and then you're Danny and it's like yeah. really disturbing to be put in both of their kind of head spaces. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> oh god inappropriately long gazing i would say yes <laughs> yeah. very inappropriate i wanted to say something about the kubrickian stare that like underbite kind of like staring out from under your brow that's yeah. in several of his movies i have my Clock contacts in I, if i do that too much that my contacts will roll back into my head uh yeah it's in clockwork orange it's in full metal jacket it's in this he's very good at the male rage (laughs) (laughs) what does that say about him (laughs) interesting uh is there suicide Hmm. i would say no no Although we don't know how the woman in the bathtub died. I mean, I guess there's that. And uh, I would argue that, you know, Grady, he does put two barrels in his mouth. He does. That is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very good, Luce. Yes. Yeah. Um, This is such a. Did you guys ever have anyone that killed themselves in their in your high school? No. Did you? Not when I was in high school. Not when I was there. But it was like. A big thing. It was like one of the rooms, one of the students hung themselves. Oof. And At school? Yeah. Oh, oh a terrible fuck. place and to go. Somebody asked our teacher and he was like, why did you ask me that question? And they're like, I don't know. I just heard that like somebody killed themselves in school. And it's like, <laughs> but why are you asking me that question? And we, we were like, what? And he was like, it was this room. <gasps> Ew. That's oh, so scary. scary. How did you feel? I wonder if that's true or if he was fucking with you guys. <laughs> he, was, he wasn't the kind of teacher. Was. Oh, not a little jokester. <laughs> he wasn't a little trickster. He wasn't a, like a trickster. Uh, but that was kind of scary. But at the time, you're like, oh, sick. That's yeah, sick. I know. Teenagers' like brains yeah, are like so underdeveloped. And they're just like, I love being an edgelord 24-7. Yeah. Suicide's cool. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah. You ever seen a tit? <laughs> um, <laughs> just the one. Just when I was watching The Shining. Just the one. Just the one. The one on, uh, on in, uh, what's the movie? Little Nicky. That guy. <laughs> He's got the tit on his head. Oh, 
<laughs> it's been a while since I've seen Little Nicky. I might that, need to that rewatch. That stuck with me, the head tit. <laughs> well, Luce, you and I are famously pro Hubie Halloween. Yes, I love Hubie Halloween. I, <laughs> they oh, pack God. in so much Halloween to it's the whole screen. You see it it's the whole great. time. And it's Adam Sandler at his most Adam Sandler-y. He like, does his the voice to the extreme. I love it so much. Plus, it's in Salem, and I read that he wanted to, he loves Salem and he loves Halloween. And so during the pandemic, he knew they were like losing out on like tourism dollars and wanted to shoot there to like bring money to Salem to like help local businesses. What a saint. Yeah. I mean, they did Uh, make a whole crew shoot a movie during a pandemic, but still. There's it a was for a good cause. It was for a good cause. Uh, does someone masturbate? Is there a penis in this movie? No, no penis. I'm kind of surprised there's not a penis. There is, like we said, there's a furry giving a, a guy giving a blowjob. Oh yeah, there's uh, the implication of penis. There is the implication. It's implied. Implied uh, penis. There isn't any masturbation though, so it's going to get docked. This for that. is not a sexy film. No. no. Because even when Jack is like turned on by seeing the hotter rot woman, you the music is still the score. Scary. Like the yeah. music is really scary still, and you're and he's like, <laughs> even though I know we're all alone, maybe I could score with this apparition. It is wild. He's kind of like, oh. like it's like that is something that that says something about men that they're like, <laughs> if a naked woman was like, I'm horny for you, and he's like. Yes, you are. This all makes sense. Yeah, like, like does like... not question the fact that she's not supposed to be there at all. Oh my god. Um, are there top? Oh yes, Patrick, go. Oh, I just have to say, I have to go now. Unfortunately. Oh, no! no. Okay, we're gonna murder Patrick. We're killing you with ah, an axe. Ah, on stop. you. Ah. I am the new co-host now. Ah, yes, Luce is the new co-host. Patrick. Ah. All right. I bid you adieu. What's that? You know what I never realized? Mustafa in Austin Powers is Will Ferrell. Did you know that? The guy who yes. gets killed? Of course. Oh. I'm very badly burnt. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I knew that was Will Ferrell. Oh. Did you lose that? Yeah. Isn't Sherry oh. O'Terry in it too? Yeah, Sherry O'Terry's yeah. in it too. Is she? I, yeah, oh, wait, she's no, like she's the not. German person. Isn't no, it? no, that's, no, no, that's not Sherry O'Terry. That woman looks like Sherry O'Terry. Oh, okay. Whoopsie Anyways, doodle. that made me think of it. The while you were killing me, I thought of Mustafa in the flames. And I'm <laughs> very badly burned. Wait, how close are we to the end of the fartsy test? Can he finish it? I should probably go. I don't want to be late to picking her up. Okay, so right. I've been, Lucy, I've been bumped Lucy, I can off. Carry this. <laughs> oh yeah, I can do. Lucy? I can even do what I think Patrick would do. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Is that Do both. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right. Good to see you guys. Patrick, send me your audio as soon as you're done. Okay, we'll do. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Wow, this is really funny. Luce finally got the dead weight. Yes. (laughs) Okay, where were we? Okay, are there topics, images, or behaviors that go beyond what would be considered be considered acceptable in a mainstream film? I would say absolutely a lot. So many, kind of nonstop. That is what is so interesting. Like we were talking about, it's like it's a mainstream film. But it's not. No, because it's really about an abusive alcoholic and Mm -hmm. while not focusing on that at all and focusking on the hotel being haunted. Like if you ask him, like, what's The Shining? Oh, it's about a haunted hotel. 
But it's yes. like really about a abusive man who like goes more crazy when there isn't like community resources and his family. Mm-hmm. It's really about how his family can't get away from him. You know, yeah. <laughs> I will say the one time I related to Jack Torrance was he's writing and he's yeah. interrupted by Wendy, which I could kind of relate to his annoyance. About yeah, it. And yeah. She's like, well, maybe I can read something. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, Wendy, let me explain something to you. And it was like, yeah, I would not, I would not have reacted well to that either. I don't think, but he's sitting in the Colorado room though. Like if you want privacy, why not pick That's any so of the true. hotel rooms? You're sitting That's out in the so, open. There's no doors. You're so right. He shouldn't have had to have taken up the giant room. Also, I noticed on this watch when he's throwing the tennis ball against the wall, mm-hmm. I was like, he is throwing it inappropriately hard yes against the wall absolutely like like too hard like i would be like whoa whoa like if a little kid was doing that i'd be like whoa be careful stop that yeah like you're gonna break something i know there's like uh art and lamps and shit everywhere yeah well and it's like yeah you're really angry dude like Mm -hmm. Um, and I do think like everything that you see, because it doesn't make sense, like the dog, the bear blowjob, the mm-hmm. the blood in the elevator, the hot or rot woman, <laughs> all of these things that you see, the supernatural things are also like supernatural in a way you've never seen before. Like Stanley yeah. Kubrick has come up with this imagery. It's not just like somebody, you know, a tall, scary shadow. Like I would argue that like everything that's in The Conjuring those are fun haunted house movies, but there's not really brand new imagery in movies. That's so like interesting. That. I was thinking about that when I was watching it this time. I'm like, just the like the cuts to random scary stuff, which is such a trope in horror movies now. I feel like it was definitely like invented with this movie. Like, mm-hmm. there's a guy with a bloody head and like, welcome to the hotel or oh. whatever he says, you know? Like, yeah. It's, or does he say like, what a party or something? What a party. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, but I so feel like upsetting. So, so many, I feel like horror movies do that a lot now where it's like, here's this random thing. And it's like, ah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because your brain is like not ready for that. It doesn't make sense narratively. Yeah. That's what I think is, um, uh, really scary about the ring, uh, mm-hmm. American adaptation, the yeah. actual video cassette of the ring does something similar where it's all these incongruent images of things yeah. that you don't yeah, see. Right. And it's like that's a horse right. in the water, a horse drowning. Like it doesn't give you context, but even just seeing a horse, like splashing around in deep water, you're like, Oh God. Yeah. And then it's like a woman brushing her hair in a mirror, but she's off to the side. And then the frame yeah. is off to the other side and you're like, frame it Ugh. up correctly. Why is it not in the Ugh. center? Like little disturbing things and they're all in a row. So by the end, you're like chilled, even though you weren't actually, you weren't shown anything violent. You didn't see anything that was particularly fucked up, but it's like images that don't make sense with the story, I think are inherently like tick off something in your brain that like you're in danger. Totally. Totally. That's, that's very interesting. Okay. Next up. Can Peanut start watching this movie after 8 p.m. without falling asleep? Wow. This is one very specific to Patrick. Very specific to him. I would say... Yes, you can, because it's like, it really, there's like a energy to the whole, everything is sort of driving, you know, and it's kind of like, uh. And the music is so loud. I can't imagine falling asleep to this movie. Totally. And it's too scary. Uh, It demands you watch. It's too scary. Yeah. I don't Um, think Patrick, Peanut is Patrick. And I don't think. Peanut is Patrick. I could, you want to watch this late at night. The later it is, the scarier it becomes, especially if you're like really tired after a long day and you're in that weird (sighs) limbo. 
Well, I started watching this at like 1130 at night <gasps> and it got to like one in the morning and I was like, I need to finish this in the morning, but I could finish it now. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, Voom! like I was really wide awake, yeah. but I was like, I need to go to sleep. Um, is there an inordinate amount of milling about so much so this could be retitled the 2013 comedy We're the Millers? I don't think so. No. It's very, like we were just saying, it's very It's focused. tight. Yeah, and even when there is, like, no dialogue and Danny's on, you know, he's on the trike, right? And then the mm-hmm. camera's behind the trikes. You're seeing what he sees, and you're already kind of thrown around because the hallway layout doesn't make sense. So even when there isn't dialogue and you are with someone walking, just the walking is scary, which I think is yeah. a feat. I, that, that scene where he's on his little trike, the first time we see him, he keeps, it's like he's going on the, I guess, hardwood floors and then he goes onto the carpet and the hardwood floors, it's so loud. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it, it, like the, the noise of that is very jarring just watching that. So like, yeah, like even that scene, you're like really tuned in. And you're just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Uh, which is, Ugh. yeah, very disturbing. Poster titillation level. I would say high. Hi. We're talking about the um, doorway right after uh, he cuts you know, through there's, it. There's, there's that, one. that one. But there's also the yellow one where it's like a screaming face. Have mm-hmm. you seen that that's one? That's the original one. That's the original one. Yeah, and one. that's the I'm, cover of the book that I have. I find that titillating. Absolutely. Well, there's something Very titillating high. about not having a photo of the film, right? Because then you're like, yes. wait, what is this? The font is slanted. Yeah, there's this illustrated screaming face. So you're like, well, something bad is happening, but I don't know what. Did you go to the Stanley Kubrick exhibit oh, at LACMA? It was incredible. Yeah, one of the greatest days of my amazing. life. My phone is still filled with pictures of that. <laughs> they have the typewriter that, from The Shining in that exhibit. Yes. That was one of the most in-depth exhibits I've seen. It had so many of his actual letters. Like, it had his letters to, like, the person taking care of his cats. And those were, like, in-depth in there. It it was just, it was fascinating. And it had the letters back and forth between the graphic designer who was creating that poster. Mm -hmm. And the graphic designer was, like, basically sent him the poster. And he's like, I think I kind of hit it out of the park with this one. And Stanley Kubrick, like, had, like, sheets upon sheets of notes for it. Like, it was, like... Not right for him, but I love yeah. that. Honestly, like he was very problematic in the way that he treated Shelly, yes. and I think he it sounds like he's really difficult to work with. But I like that somebody knows exactly what they want, and then people was like had to go along with it. I think it's harder to be that type of filmmaker these days. There's lots of like, don't be yeah. too difficult, and part of that might be too is my experience as a woman. Nobody wants to work with a woman who like isn't just going to go along to get along. Yeah. So I really envy the ability to be like, yeah, I actually have 20 pages of notes about this color yellow. Like, yeah, he has a vision. I, I think that's great. I think that is one of the hard things to reconcile from this movie is his abuse of uh, Shelley Duvall and like how hard he was on her. I mean, it was like yeah, abusive he broke behavior. her down. Yeah. yeah. He put her in that headspace, which you don't need to do. If someone's a good actor, they can act like they're in that headspace. They don't need to be abused by the director so that they act like that. Absolutely. Like making her cry and, for real. Like that's not necessary. I cried in your movie. Yeah. And you <laughs> and were I nothing but scream lovely. at you a little bit. Yeah. No. <laughs> it was just one um, minute of screaming. Um, yeah. But it's so interesting because it's so much on her side. The movie is on that character. That's what's like hard for me to reconcile because it's like, it is about Jack Torrance being abusive and him being at fault and him hating his wife and having a rage towards her. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't do anything 
she is the victim. She's the biggest victim of this movie, and it's on her side. So that's why it's like tough to hear those stories of him, Stanley Cooper, being so hard on her and like abusing her, and like it's just a, it's a hard thing to reconcile. I agree. You know? Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, a lot of films have really shitty people who work on them because films have, you know, thousands of people, hundreds of people (laughs) who work on them. And a lot of times to be drawn to a position of power like that, it's going to draw a lot of iffy characters because the director has a ton of power and producers have a ton of power. And that's why you end up seeing such shitheads that kind of go in that direction. But yeah, terrible people can also uh, create really interesting, thought-provoking art. And sometimes it's like even more interesting to be like, wow, they didn't even know what they were saying with yeah. this because it's like a bare psyche moment. Yeah. I'm always intrigued by that. Absolutely. Okay, what is the score, the fartsy test score you're going to give this movie, Luce? I think The Shining is a... I think I'm going to go with a seven. This is so hard because like you said, it was like in the cultural consciousness. It's Mm -hmm. a mainstream movie. It's, Mm -hmm. it is one of the most famous horror movies of all time. So you can't, I can't really extricate myself from that viewpoint. So I was going to say like a 7.4. Oh, you know, okay. I thought there. you were going to say like maybe like a six or because I was kind of between like a 6.5 and a and a seven. But I think it's too it's so beautiful and it does tick so many of the artsy fartsy boxes yeah, on the all list. Of them. We just didn't have a penis in there. If we had, nope, had a penis in no there. No penis or masturbating. Yeah. If but we had. There was a blowjob. So that is an extra a, point. Yes. <laughs> Very true. So, yeah, I think it's it's hard to kind of take it away from its cultural relevance and look at it objectively. But yeah, I mean, it is a bizarre movie also. It's not, it does not follow a normal narrative structure, Mm-mm. you know? And there's not a lot so. of dialogue in it. No. There's no. a lot of moments of silence and I could see, I wonder if The Shining is the kind of film that like, you know, we've talked about how we lie about certain artsy films because we don't mm. want to lose our cred. And I wonder if The Shining is a movie that some people lie about because it is considered a modern classic. Oh, that's and interesting. And if you said you didn't like The Shining, it's like committing some like act of treason against film. Yeah. So I wonder totally. if there are people out there who are like, yeah, this I, really wasn't for me. I'm sure there are stupid people. Stupid dummies. uh, Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Well, Well, we've come to the conclusion. Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, no, please go on. I was just going to say we've come to the conclusion of all of our business with Fart House, but I know we have some fun stuff. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Oh, this is perfect. Our crossover here is coming up with our eek mails, which are the letters that the lanterns write in about uh, various topics related to Halloween and horror and their spooky lives. And we have a few that are about The Shining and a few that are about bathrooms. Fantastic. Uh, so the first one here is from, I have two interns that I call Grim Turns, because it's a funny little Halloween pun. So That's the first fantastic. one is from uh, Grim Term Tom, who is our Discord moderator. And he says, being born in 1979 means that as a small, impressionable child, I would hear my parents and people make all kinds of pop culture references that I thought were totally normal idioms. It took maybe five years before I learned that the line, here's Johnny, 
was a reference to Ed McMahon's famous introduction of Johnny Carson, and not just something a crazy guy says when he smashes open a door. The same thing happened to a lesser degree with Red Rum because Weird Al makes a reference to it in his film UHF during an ad lib, no less. I started doing it around the house because I love Al, and my mom was very confused. She eventually (laughs) explained that it was a reference to this movie called The Shining, but since she allowed very little horror in the house, I had very little context for what that meant. I had to learn that it meant murder, spelled backwards, from a kid at school. The next time we were in the video store, I tracked down the box on the shelf and was surprised to find the Here's Johnny guy in one of the pictures on the back. It's funny how much a film can seep into your life before you even see it or know know that it exists. I also have a scary bathroom memory. For some reason, uh, at three to four years old, I was convinced that the shrieking noise our pipe made when you flushed the toilet was a banshee that lived under the house. Flushing would drop all the water into her lair and make her mad, and you had to close the lid on the toilet so she couldn't reach up through the pipes and drag you back down into her lair and kill you. (laughs) That is wild. That would be scary to have that sensation in your own house. Yeah, to think that a banshee lives in your house. (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I feel like Grim Turn Tom, Grim Turn Tom, I, the... Here's Johnny thing. I don't think I knew that for a long time. No, and I wasn't. Either. Johnny Carson wasn't even on TV anymore by the yeah. time I was allowed to stay up and watch Late Night. I was a Conan gal. Oh, me too. I was a Conan <laughs> gal as well. I, it, the, it is funny. I There is a memory I have. My cousins and I were all watching the movie Twister. Yes. Have you seen Twister? Yes. Okay. You and I have not actually talked about this, but I've talked at you while I've listened to your podcast about Twister. And I'm also a huge Twister fan, and I'm mad that Patrick isn't here to hear me defend it. Because that shining scene in Twister is so creme de la creme. I love it. So it was scary. Like, I think that might have been my first, one of my first introductions to The Shining and being like, oh my God, what is that movie? It's so scary. And it's funny because I was watching with my cousins when at, uh, we we my cousins and I used to rent a cabin in the and uh, up at this resort and we were watching it there and my mom walked in during that scene and she was like what are you watching because she thought we were watching The Shining and we were like Twister and she's like oh okay I thought you were watching a different movie but it kind of piqued my interest because I was like she really had a big reaction to us watching that other movie oh yeah that, that means it's really good yeah exactly so yeah I really like that and I meant to bring it up so I'm glad that Tom did but that feeling of a film again that's so mainstream that it's quoted all the time and you not knowing where the quotes come from it's yeah. I had the exact same experience with those two lines and red rum too. I don't know why there's something scary about like a word being spelled backwards, but the fact that it's like you see it the whole movie and then you're like, it means murder is very scary. It would have been really cool to see this in 1980 and be like, why does this kid keep saying red rum? And then it'd be like, oh, murder. Ah!" (laughs) I don't know. I think that would have hit for me. I think so, too. And it's interesting that, like, there's certain films that you'll just never, because of when you were born, be able to watch without the cultural context. And, like, we can never know what it was like to fully experience this film. Totally. Um, All right. Our next one. Yay. Thanks, Tom. 
Our next one is, when I was in high school, I took an elective class called Music and Film, and it was basically what it sounds like. We watched movies and talked about the music and how it enhanced the visual experience. We watched The Shining and the teacher who drove a purple scion. I just feel like that's important. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot that there was a scene with the naked woman in the bathtub. And when it happened, all the (laughs) students were cracking up and he was scrambling in true teacher fashion to fast forward and instead wound up trying to cover the scene with his hands just because he couldn't figure out the remote. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so funny. I love, oh my God, the way that teenagers like laugh at anything that's like a swear word or nudity because they're like titillated, but they know they shouldn't be. Yeah. It's like so cute. (laughs) I remember in high school, our AP English teacher showed us some Camelot movie from the 70s and there was like a hardcore sex scene in it, Ah. but she knew about it and she stood up like before it like. She knew when it was and when she had to like intervene and she just held a uh like <laughs> a notebook in front of the screen while she fast forwarded so we couldn't see it and she'd be she's kind of like yeah yeah here's another sex scene but I could see the heads of the actors like <laughs> going back and forth like having sex um I got to figure out what movie that was but, yeah, yeah you got to got to watch I, that movie that was sounds funny. great Um okay the next one is This movie was released the year I turned 10, and I was fascinated by the trailer and terrified by the blood pouring out of the elevator. I recall avoiding elevators for years after seeing that trailer. I wasn't allowed to watch the movie as a kid, but they showed the trailer ahead of some PG movies that we (laughs) went to go see. The bloody elevator and the bloody twins loomed large in my brain for the better part of a decade until I finally saw the movie. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's such a visually striking movie. I mean, it's like the when I saw a glimpse of the twins in Twister, because that's the scene that they show in Twister, and mm-hmm. it was like, what is that? Like, it's just so bizarre and entrancing. I can't believe they have that bloody elevator in a trailer. I don't know if I I've know. actually watched the trailer before because we don't need to, but... Uh, and it's showing an... before a kid's movie. Can you imagine like a Saw <laughs> trailer before like Paw Patrol now? Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> before, before like Paddington or something? I think just it would be horrible. Yeah. But the bloody elevator is such an interesting image because it doesn't actually make, it's not a literal thing that happened. Mm-mm. You know, it's not like that happened at any point in real life it, within the world of the film. Right. You know? One of my favorite Simpsons quote, hmm, the blood usually gets off on the second floor. Yes, very good. <laughs> um, yeah, I can see that being, now I really want to watch the trailer because I assume it would just be I a know. collection of odd imagers. Imagers. Yeah. Um, hi, say Artsy fartsy humor. Nope. Artsy fartsy horror is maybe my favorite thing of all time. When I was a kid, I found a mystery tape at the thrift store, which turned out to be in the company of wolves. It was very eye-opening for me and a big influence on my interest in horror and experimental filmmaking. It's still one of my favorites. Another artsy-fartsy film that made a big impact on me is The Street of Crocodiles and other shorts by the Brothers Quay. I ended up going to school for an experimental film, and I made a few short films myself. I'm sharing a couple with you. The first is artsy-fartsy, and the second is a little more comedic, but both are ha- Halloween-y. I hope you all enjoy. 
Uh, P.S. I want to add that the bathroom scene from Crimson Peak is so scary and good. The sets, the costumes, the red ball that mysteriously rolls in are all exquisite. And I have to say, this is from Ivar. Thank you, Ivar. I have to say, I didn't get an opportunity to watch the films, but I did send them to you guys. So they're like uh, short films. Thank you for sending those. I love that you made experimental horror. Have you seen The Company of Wolves in The Company of Wolves? No, the the tape is one of those early covers that really scared me because the picture is the wolf uh, coming out of like a woman's face, like the snout bursting open a mouth. It's amazing. I love that movie so much. It's okay. fantastic. You need to check it's it out. Neil it's Neil Jordan, right? Yeah, it's Neil Jordan. It's I like a lot of his films. Phenomenal. It's really great. It is on my list to watch because the uh, film, hopefully the next film we'll make together. Hey. Uh, my yes. next film, Car Trouble, is about a fantastical wolf. And so I've made a list of movies about wolves that I've been too scared to watch because the reason I picked this subject is because I've been scared of wolves like my whole life. So I haven't watched most werewolf films or any films where they're like the antagonist. It's an anthology movie Oh, in the company of wolves. I had no idea. It's like fairy tales, right? Yeah, but I would say it's about being afraid of wolves. Oh, interesting. Like it's about that fear. So huh. I would highly recommend it. And I also wanted to say the Brothers Quay. I love Crocodile. I, yeah, Crocodiles is the name of that. I saw that at Cine Family. Oh, classic um, art house theater here in uh, Los Angeles that is no longer. Yes. Um, and it's really good. It's really interesting and fabulous as well. So yes, really great I have never seen it on the big screen, but Rex. we do put it on at the store pretty often because nice. their stuff is like store appropriate, but also like so weird. It always freaks yeah. people out. I feel like there was like an early tool music video that like kind of looks like crocodiles. And I feel like I kind of like connect the two. I can't even think of the tool, which song that was, but anyways. Yeah. You know what else I think of with the brothers Quay is, um, uh, uh Von Spinkmeyer. Uh, like Alice and uh, Little Otik. Oh, I don't. Have I you don't ever know seen that. those films? No. They're like stop. They're they're real life. They have real life actors, but then there's a lot of stop motion mm. with it as well. They're very disturbing. Little Otik is great. It's about a woman who wants to have a baby and she's not able to, so her husband gives her like a stump, <laughs> and the stump starts coming alive and acting like a baby, and like it's fantastic. I gotta check those out. Yeah, I highly Sounds recommend great. it. I put it on my uh, recommended Halloween viewing section at Videotech this month. Fabulous. Yes. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, and then here is our last one. Happy Halloween week, Luce. I'm writing to share a couple of spooky bathroom-related things with you. There's something inherently frightening about the bathroom, isn't there? Maybe it's the flowing water, the ephemer- ephemeral isolation, the often terrible lighting, or the emphasis on mirrors. Whatever it is, I've always had a bit of a frisson from going into the bathroom for whatever reason. It probably doesn't help that there are so many terrifying scenes from movies that take place in bathrooms. Knowing all of this, nine-year-old me should have known better than to follow my aunt into a dark bathroom. I had been staying with her and my uncle at their locally notoriously haunted house outside of New Orleans one Halloween season. It sounds been, like a movie or like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Absolutely. 
I had been reading in the living room, then walked into the kitchen to look for my aunt. My uncle was in the kitchen and said that he didn't know where she was. We both then heard footsteps on the stairs and saw her descend into the hallway. I called out to her, but she didn't answer and kept her back to me. So I followed her into the hallway. Nothing seemed off other than she was ignoring me. I continued to follow her as she walked into the bathroom at the end of the hall without turning the light on. I was literally just a couple steps behind her until we got into the bathroom. She stopped at the far end where the toilet area was past the sink and the bathtub. I was just past the door. I called out again, nanny, but again, no answer. I remember my hair standing on end. So I flipped on the light. Then she was gone. Ah! I screamed and ran out of the bathroom back to my uncle who was now in the hallway and was also very confused and concerned. It was at this point that my aunt walked into the kitchen through the back door. She had just returned from an errand. We had no explanation for what happened. My uncle and I were had absolutely saw a woman that we thought was my aunt on the stairs and in the hallway, but we were the only two people in the house at the time. And there was only one way in and out of the bathroom. I didn't follow a shadow into the bathroom. I followed a person, a person who was never actually there. Needless to say, I avoided that bathroom from that point forward, and it only added to the general spooky vibe I get from most bathrooms. I hope all the lanterns and fart heads have a wonderful Halloween with no creepy bathroom encounters. Cheers, Christina. Oh, fantastic. Ooh, that's spooky. That Ooh, was a good story. That I feel was like such that a was... good story. My, um, the hairs on my arms are standing on edge. Like I got a full body chill reading that. They, you know, it's interesting. I talked about Cat People, the 1983 movie. I don't know if the original one is set in New Orleans, but Cat People is very a very New Orleans movie, and so it's sort of been on my mind lately. Oh, have you ever and been to New Orleans? No, I really want to go. Same. It's like the number one place in the country I haven't been to that I want to go to. Um, the, the story reminded me of this podcast I just started listening to. Have you heard of this podcast called Otherworld? No, not at all. It's all about surreal, supernatural stories. It's a pretty basic premise, but it's just like people telling their paranormal experiences on the radio. On and it's it's really good. It's called Otherworld. Oh, great! Um, yeah, I'll definitely yeah, have to check that recommend out. It. That's uh, we do a bit. We do a lot of that on. It's always Halloween as well. I love I when people write and call in the ghost stories. And I like I said, I've never seen a ghost, but I love hearing ghost stories. Yeah, I've never seen a ghost either, but it is one of those things where I'm like, I'm like, I don't believe in ghosts, but if I saw a ghost, I would be like, that is a ghost. Yes. Like I would believe, like I would be flipped instantaneously. Yeah, and I, I still wouldn't get try to prove it. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't prove it wrong. I just really don't want to see one because I'm very delicate in general, and I don't think mm -hmm. I need like that on my plate right now. I'm also delicate. We had my mom uh, bless our house. Oh, that's uh, nice. To make sure that no ghosts resided here our house hasn't had too many owners mm. so it's had the same owner since 1961 so i just feel like there's like less possibility of like tragedy yes you know yeah it's like pretty new house as far as like hauntings go yeah and uh i i just i have gotten no energy bad energy from our house oh good and i feel like i'm kind of in tune with that sort of stuff so. oh yeah i mean i've definitely walked in a place and been like nope i don't want to stay yeah. here 
And that's yeah, how I feel about, I really, our building is old from 1905 and I love <laughs> our building. I never feel yeah. weird. The only time I ever feel a little off is when I'm in the basement in the laundry room, but I think that's because mm. I'm in the basement. I just yeah. think that like descending below the ground is disturbing. It's like walking into a grave. So like, it's hard yeah. not to feel freaked out. I am in a basement right this second <gasps> talking to you. So it's a finished basement though. It is a finished basement. I, your, your apartment building really could be you know, the location of a horror film. Yeah. Like the latest Evil Dead. Did you see that movie? No, it's Evil too much, Dead. too much for me. I draw Lots the line. Goop. Yeah. Uh, but it could be, it's set in an old building in Los Angeles. Ooh, and it could be your building, I do like, frankly. I do like that because I think Los Angeles apartment buildings are really cool and they have a lot of fascinating yeah. history. But I Absolutely. mean, we've got great like Shining-esque carpet in our building. Yeah. Very art deco and geometric. It's very Absolutely. cool. Um, I have one more shining related question for you, Casey. Please. Have you been to the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park where Stephen King got the idea for no. the overlook? No. Oh. I haven't. I have. Where is the Stanley Hotel? So, yeah, Estes Park, Colorado, which I don't know where that falls in the state. I've been there one time. And, uh, you know, it's that kind of thing where I didn't know where I was going. It's mm -hmm. like the Rockies. Sure. Um, but SS Park is like a really pretty actual skiing town. Mm. So you can ski there, but he, he like started writing the shining there. I don't know. He maybe wrote the whole thing there, but you can see his room where he wrote oh, it. Cool. Yeah. And it's, it's fun too, because it's not where they shot it. That, that hotel's in Oregon and I haven't been there. Um, but it is, it is where they shot Dumb and Dumber when they're like, go to Aspen. <laughs> I can see the similarities in the set. I could see how one influenced the other. Totally. Yeah. So like throughout the hotel, there's like these areas that are like movies and it's like all this dumb and dumber stuff next to the shining. Oh. And I was like, wow, all of my personalities are being That's <laughs> covered <so> here. <laughs> funny. Two Titans of films. Yeah. Jim Carrey history. Equally. Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And That's if you go amazing. to their hotel bar and restaurant, there are all shining themed like drinks and menu items. So oh, cool. it's pretty fun. Yeah, I recommend it. They That's have a amazing. ghost tour also, which I was with a whole group of people that didn't want to do it. So I didn't go on the ghost tour, but I did sneak around and like take my own pictures and like look at stuff, poke around the hotel a little bit. Fabulous. Yeah, I recommend it. It's a pretty area. Um, well, Luce, thank you so much for putting this all together and joining me on the show to talk about The Shining and also my movie, 14 Stories in a Bathroom. Um, you've been such a wonderful co creative collaborator and a wonderful friend and a Aww. great person to work with. And you've always been so supportive. And uh, I just really appreciate everything, just working with you and everything you've done for me. And um, I'm excited to keep working on stuff with you same I, casey you inspire me endlessly oh, so all sweet. the time i love working with you and we're gonna crush this film we're gonna raise fifty thousand dollars i i have called luce so many times i mean there's famously my wife took a photo of me pacing in our my neighborhood <laughs> talking to luce in distress and maybe i'll post that somewhere yeah again. but and you do I'm look like, a little bit like a madman you've got a I jack torrance energy and, <laughs> yes very jack torrance energy and i Lucy is very good about just like talking about the stress of like making something and like how long it can take and like how how many emotional le levels they are there are to putting something out into the world and like I mean something like this like asking people for money it's very difficult and it's very you feel very naked and it's very I don't know you you feel exposed and it's 
feels kind of gross, but and we're it's not raised in a society that like encourages that. America is yeah. very much built on the like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But the fact is that if you are not, if you don't work under Warner Brothers, you can't get a film made. If you are not yeah. a part of a of a studio, the only way to make a film is to ask people to help you make it. Yeah. And in so. my experience, it's fun. Like all the times I've done fundraising, like all the times I've given to films, I like feeling like I get to be a part of something somebody makes, even if it is totally. like, I'm just, it's just a hundred dollars or $50. And it's like, but I am still a little tiny part of that film. Totally. And I think that's totally. like an exciting experience that we all get to come together to make art, especially when we live in a society that really doesn't want us to. So this is like totally. a way to be like a, a bratty, badass kid. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> us. Uh, yeah. So if you want to find any links for this, you can go to, it's WeFunder, 14 Stories in a Bathroom. The link will be in the show notes for this episode. You yeah, can go to both, Casey Lee O'Brien. Both, 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 yes, yeah, both it'll be in, And the It's Always yeah. Halloween feed as well. That's and, right. Uh, yeah, Casey Lee O'Brien, right? On all Casey platforms. Lee O'Brien on Instagram, yeah, and Twitter. I'll, it'll be all over that. And LTB um, Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. My initials, LTB, LTB Comedy. Fabulous. Um, well, Luce, this has been so much fun. Do you have anything else you want to promote? Besides uh, no, I mean, this month, we're kicking it off November 1st. So this month is all about 14 stories. And of course, hey. you know, Fartheads, if you're not always already listening to It's Always Halloween, I would love to have you on our porch as one of our lanterns. I'd love to hear spooky stories from you. Any, you know, bathroom terror <laughs> or anything <laughs> about scary movies that you like or recommend. We would love to have you. You can email the podcast. It's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com. And we have a hotline 802-532-DEAD so you can call in and tell us a story as well and we do have episodes all year round so it's not just for the calendar Halloween season fabulous yes I, I, I'm so appreciative that you have allowed me to uh, speak to you even uh, during the Halloween season I, you're just so busy and uh, so I really appreciate this it's Luce always a treat and, to spend time oh, with you. The oh, best well, thing in my you. Halloween bucket. Oh, Lucy, <laughs> you're so sweet. Um, well, I guess th for us, we are the Cinephile Cuties signing off. How do you sign off from your podcast, Lucy? I say um, thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of It's Always Halloween. And come back next time, unless you get attacked by the hot or rot woman. Hey. <laughs>